that was you were like, oh my god, this is the most amazing thing ever. Wow, thank goodness I've been hit in the face with something. This is really great. I love that. Do it again. Welcome to Wheel Nerds. This is episode 210. I'm Chuck. And I'm Todd. And we're going to be talking about motorcycles. And come on down to Crazy Todd's Pilo Strom. That's right. You need Strom parts. I got Strom parts. I don't even know what Strom parts I got. I got suspension. I got old suspension. I got new suspension. I got these plastic parts over here. I've got one of these. I have the back half of a working engine. Yeehaw! But Crazy Todd, what about greasy bolts? Greasy bolts? I got greasy bolts coming out of my ears. How can I make prices like this on greasy bolts, you may ask? How, how can how can you? I'm crazy. Come on down to Crazy Todd's Pilo Strom. Please make him put on his pants. Woo-hoo-hoo, doggies. That's right. And every time now, when you come to Crazy Todd's today only, you will get a coupon for Chuck's Diner, home of the Gravy Hose. Three seconds on the Gravy Hose, not included. That's like giving away money. Yeehaw! Bring your children down. They can play in the bucket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got a pile of Strom. A pile of Strom? Yeah, if anybody needs uh, parts from a pile of Strom, I have one. Have you seen Zach lurking around your house? No. <laughs> it's a pickup truck been no. driving back and forth. I'll tell you, the back half of that engine has great compression, though. You know what you should it's do great with shape. your pile of Strom? What should I do with my pile of Strom? Put it out on the side of the house where the toilet was. <laughs> <laughs> and hope somebody steals it. Well, I already disassembled. Grow flowers out of it. I was trying to take apart the parts to turn it into a pile of Strom. And I have it outside, and I'm like, okay, I gotta get this, but how do I do it without making it fall out? Wait, <laughs> wait, ah, uh, and I just kicked the fuck. Out. <laughs> Take that, Strom. Yeah, that's right. It was, it was therapeutic. <laughs> Anybody, if you have if you have a shit pile bike and you are parting it out, fucking take it out in the yard and just kick it the fuck over <laughs> once. You will feel so much better. And my my daughter finds the found the end of the clutch lever. <laughs> Did you, Dad? What's this? I was like, you can make a pendant out of it. That's what we do at the MSF. Did you beat it with a baseball bat at all? No, but I did actually hit it with a BFH to get something that wouldn't come loose, loose. Oh, okay. I was like, I was trying to get the the back panel off, uh-huh. and it's like there's a there's a big cable that goes, and the the thing was, you know, it's like old, right? It's all together. I was like, it won't come off. I can't get it to squeeze. I'm like, wait a goddamn second. Boom! I hit that thing. The connector went like the other end of the yard it felt it i'm not gonna lie man it felt so so good so where is it so right good now? oh it's in the garage oh it is in the garage yeah i turned it into a hardtail <laughs> so i had i had an idea right so i i took oh, the shit I, I took the stocks i took the fancy suspension out the olin suspension okay and it's a fucking bitch to get in and out around the pipes i'm trying to get it out and i'm like this is a real bitch so i pull the underseat compartment out and once you have that out you just pull it straight up okay easy and i'm like Okay, now I got to get the old suspension in so it'll stand. Dogbone bolt is the same width on both ends. So I could put back in the shock and put back in the shock linkage and blah, blah, fucking blah. Or, and stay with me here, I could just put the bolt through the frame and attach the dog bones to the bolt. Now, in fairness, the chain doesn't really 100% clear the exhaust when you do this. But I have a hardtail strom now. Uh huh. So I have old suspension and new suspension to sell. <laughs> oh my God. Available now. <laughs> so what was the tipping point between doing this and new motor 
I was kind of like, I was like, eh, about the new motor. I hadn't heard back on price on labor for a new motor. Yeah. And so I was like, uh, that was kind of a pain in the ass to call and be like, hey, remember how you said you give me a quote? Yeah. I'm sure you're doing other probably yeah. more profitable things. Three hour conversation later. Yeah, right. Because it's <laughs> us. It was that. And then I went online. I was like, okay, so rosary building his and it seems to be going pretty well. And I'm like, uh, okay, yeah, I'm maybe convinced. And I go online and on eBay before there were like three fucking straw mattresses that would have worked. Okay. It was like an 06, an 07, and an 09. Okay. All of which I could just fucking slap right in. And I'm like, okay, newer engine, lower things. You know, maybe I'll just I'll just do it because I did love the Strom, right? But they were all gone. Like quick? Like like they just weren't there on eBay anymore with no sign that they had ever existed. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, fuck this shit. <laughs> So I just started started tearing it to shreds. I'm like, what is valuable on this bike? I'm going to find it. I'm going to take it off. I'm going to, or, you know, anything that like I want for my own usage, I'm just fucking stripping that too. So, you know, Pilo Strom, I'm going to get it. Now, did AIM uh, kind of throw you in that direction too? AIM pushed me in that direction because I was thinking like I wouldn't really like the new Strom all that much. Like it would be a little too different and it's just not in the seat. Uh-huh. <laughs> you were, uh, we had to peel you off of that. Yeah. Yeah. Even having Crash nestle up to you wasn't enough to Didn't, get you off he couldn't. It couldn't ruin it for me. No. Not even Crash could ruin this for me, Chuck. <laughs> Not even Crash. So, so Trevor, uh, you know, hit me up, man. Okay. Pile of Strom. Pile of Strom. I bought a new thing for the Ural. Did you? I did. What did you get? I got a new... Um, um, Hat. Pants. Lever. Oh, a lever? Uh, the toe heel. Like a heel toe shifter? Yeah. Yours I, didn't have that already? It, it did, but it was. Oh, I, it was that really narrow, weird one with the high back. That yeah. You know, the kind of. Yeah, okay. So I got one from uh, like a third party that makes mm-hmm. like a thicker. Sure, yeah. More ergonomic one. Yeah. So I threw that on there. Is it good? I haven't really had a chance to try it yet because yeah. I can't find my registration. You're terrible at this. I know. You are so bad at making a bike legal. I know. I that think sucks. I registered a bike this year. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I think it's in my pile of mail uh-huh. from the year. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's time for the yearly mail call. I got I to gotta look. In accordance with the prophecy. Yeah, because it's been expired since July. That's probably bad. <laughs> they take a dim view of that. No, one's, no one has stopped me yet. But when I noticed, I was just like, oh, huh. I can just see it now. They impound the Ural. And there is no shit. Like the entire weekend is nothing but freaking employees of unified police doing just fucking, getting in it just getting in it and going in circles <laughs> in the impound lot Whee! oh my god what's his name it's gonna come back with like a thousand extra miles on R- it remember uh parker parker yeah, yeah. <laughs> there'll be a picture of him on facebook yeah i know these guys <laughs> we're taking <laughs> good care of your bike <laughs> with one wheel in the air <laughs> like six dudes on it mm-hmm. shooting guns in the air mm-hmm. yeah i can see it yeah. <laughs> uh i gotta i gotta find that yeah, yeah, that'd but be good. But just sitting on it and stuff, mm-hmm. it feels, feels good. good. Yeah. I was, uh, I've been actually thinking about a heel-toe shifter for the Bandit, which is, um, like, it's sensible because it's a sidecar rig. Uh-huh. If you want to have some fun sometime, try uh, Googling and trying to find a heel-toe shifter for a sport bike. People are like, no. What? <laughs> you want, you want, what? But I could see that being really handy on a bike where you're really pitched forward on it and your I'm, feet are almost like I'm scrunchy, vertical. yeah. I could see that being really handy. It's one of those things that would be nice. Uh, there was a guy who used to sell, um, so the bandit foot pegs are rubber mounted to the uh, frame. 
And so there's a lot of flex when you climb up for like a normal bike. Like you don't step on your foot peg to stand on the bike. Mm-hmm. I do. <laughs> so it goes, and I'm every time, like, I'm like, shit, this is the time it's going to break. <laughs> this is the day. <laughs> this is the day. It's going to be like snap. I'm going to be down on my fucking ass in the driveway. Sometimes I, I use the foot peg to mount the GS. Yeah. Because uh, it's just fucking tall. Yeah. But yeah. I bet Jen, you know, uses a step ladder. <laughs> she actually has a little trampoline. <laughs> you actually, you know, those springboards that they do for gymnastics. Yeah. She's that. got one of those. <laughs> I can see Jen doing that. Mm-hmm. A little, you know, double, triple flip. It depends air. on how much gear she has on. Yeah, like, exactly. you, She's, you know, pretty athletic. Can't do a triple spin in a, in an aero stitch suit, but you know, like a, just a jacket. She works out at my gym. Uh-huh. She's very strong. And there you go. Speaking of aim and love of the Strom. Yeah. We have test ride a Strom. No. Did they have any for no, riding? Not a one. Suzuki wasn't there. That's right. Yep. Suzuki w- w- ditched the whole thing, which was weird. Well, they ditched, they ditched, they ditched the outside part, but we definitely did get a great interview with them inside. So. All right. So uh, we're here with Avery from Suzuki. Hi. Avery, nice thanks for being out with us. So Chuck is, Chuck is having a moment with the Hayabusa. He misses his. He hasn't seen it in several days, I guess. It's a new thing. So, so we were talking before, and you mentioned that really the kind of the only real big difference from the Hayabusa this year is it looks different. Yes. Well, well what they did is somewhat went, drastically so. Yeah, they went with a single color look on this year's bike. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Frankly, the Hayabusa is an iconic motorcycle. Yeah. It was so well developed, so uh, with a, such a high level of uh, performance mm-hmm. when it came out. It's been a viable bike all this time. Yeah. And it's still And it's what, 15, 15 10, 15 years old? Oh, like yeah. That? Yeah. Yep. It's seen some things. Yeah, it still it's is. older than that, isn't it? No, it's, it's that's like about. Something it, like that. It's still the holder of the uh, fastest production motorcycle record. Because shortly after after that, um, all of the manufacturers agreed to, to limit the. Just uh, knock top it off. Speed, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah. This is nuts. Tone it down, guys. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I keep hearing rumors that uh, Suzuki is thinking of doing a turbocharger stock on a Hayabusa for a, a coming soon kind of model. Yeah, I've, I've seen some of those rumors. Um, when we do research what we're going to do with a particular model, we look at many things, whether it's naturally aspirated or forced induction like a turbocharger. As of this moment, we don't have any information available for a new one. But you have to be aware that as we do study things like that and make plans, this motorcycle is beloved the way it is. I mean, and it's such an iconic bike, as I've said before. That term applies better with a Hayabusa than anything else. Mm -hmm. You go to Bonneville, and most of the motorcycles that are there use a replica of this fairing. It's so good. It's gotcha. really a great bike. So Don't. when you do something new, you need to make sure that you maintain what's mm-hmm. made it beloved in the first place and not destroy that. So it almost have to have a new name in order to work. No, yeah. not at all. You want to keep Hayabusa. I mean, there, there's yeah, a beautiful legacy. true story behind that. Have you ever heard why it got that name? No. Because they like birds? Well, that, that's good. There's a few of us at Suzuki that love birds. But the designer that developed the uh, styling for the bike actually was watching a Peregrine Falcon in downtown, in a uh, city in, in Japan. And there, like in some American cities, they use Peregrine Falcons to help control the pigeon population. Mm-hmm. And he was watching how effortlessly the Peregrine Falcon could dive on its prey, how fast it could go. And then he realized, oh, the secret behind 
maximum performance is just not horsepower, but it's aerodynamics. Hmm. So when he began to work on the styling of the bike, already the engineers were already underway with lots of power. We're talking mm -hmm. about a engine that develops 200 or more crank horsepower. Wait, could you say that one more time? The engine yeah. capacity, over 200 crank horsepower. <laughs> In the hands of a capable rider, so you're probably okay. <laughs> Burn. You may not know this, yeah. but I was on fire a few weeks ago. For, on fire? It's a long and sordid story involving a turbocharger. Oh, I thought it might have been a date. Nope. So I was on literal fire. Oh, so, but you, you survived. Yes. Okay. So the Hayabusa's got a new look. So um, so mine's not out of date is the, the important takeaway I'm getting. Yes, that's the important. Yeah, what year is your model? A 2018. Yeah, so the, the largest difference between your bike and this one is the uh, color. This is a metallic Oort gray. It's a monotone Hayabusa. Usually the monotone Hayabusas are a little bit special. Um, I had a 2003 that was a solid copper. That was a special anniversary edition. And they always have the large Hayabusa kanji symbol on them. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the single tone ones are, are a little unique. Oh, the, the kanji is Hayabusa? That's Hayabusa. That oh, means I, Hayabusa. I thought the kanji was uh, Hatsu. No. Are you sure? I'm absolutely Have you had a Japanese sure. person check that? Yes. Because I'm, I'm a friend Japan of mine told me that. I'm a half Japanese, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that translates to soup. Were you injured in the fire? <laughs> <laughs> well, what's new? What, what's new and exciting here at Suzuki? About, about the no. Hayabusa? Let's look at all the rest of your bikes. Fantastic. We'll go take a look at a bunch of them. Yeah. Okay, so now we're at the Gixxer 1000. This is a sort GSX-S 1000 Oh, F a GSS-S. So that would GSX-S. be... GSX-S. Uh, some people Gixxes? call them Jixxes. Jixxes? I prefer GSX-S. That's pretty much what it is. Yeah. So Gixxes. you can see that the motorcycle has elements of a GSX-R in it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One thing about our, our both our fared sport bikes and our naked sport bikes, for the most part, they use GSX-R-derived power plants. Right. And this, this uh, uses a long-stroke GSX-R 1000 engine. Um, it's a different engine than the one that's used in the current GSX-R, and we'll, we'll chat about that in a little uh -huh. bit. But what's really special about this bike, this bike has a new matte black finish to it. Which is and pretty it's, hot. Yeah, it's, it's not just the bodywork, though. As you can see here... The actual frame is matte black. Yeah, and the pipes uh, and the everything. The controls, the exhaust system, everything, it's a blacked-out thing. Um, in some markets, they call this a Phantom. Mm -hmm. um, they're very, very popular. Or murdered out. Also heard that. Yeah. That's, but, that's what I... I so now, a long, a long stroke GSX, and speaking as a bandit owner, that sounds suspiciously familiar along with the F designation. Yeah, the, the F has... Uh, F means fared. Mm, okay. So a GSXS, S means that it, it's, it's a sport bike with obviously GSXR lineage. Mm -hmm. When they put the F at the end, that means it's got a fairing. Okay. So this right. has a frame-mounted okay. fairing. Gotcha. Um, most of the bandits um, had frame-mounted fairing. There were some that were naked, and they did not have the F at the end of their right. designation. Okay. But this this bike and this finish is um, new for this year. Plus, they've made some changes to the throttle mechanism to smooth out the power delivery. Mm. We ha it's it's interesting because the bike has such a strong torque characteristic. Unless you apply the throttle smoothly, you can get jerky. 
So what they've done is they've made sure that the rider can more easily apply the power so the bike is nice and smooth, regardless of how you're riding it. Okay, so I, I hate to keep harping on the bandit thing, but as you describe it, it's got more torque. It's got the F, it's got a little less fairing. This sounds kind of like you're competing with your own product here, well, a little we, bit. Well, we do not offer the bandit anymore. Oh, well, that will be why. Yeah. <laughs> what are we going to do to replace the bandit? Uh, this. There you go. More advanced motorcycle with a twin spar aluminum frame, a GSXR derived engine. Mm -hmm. The first bandits also used GSXR derived engines. And then for a while, they had their own specifically designed engine. Mm -hmm. So in a way, this is almost full circle. This is similar to what the original Bandit mission was. GSXR based bike, but with nice, comfortable ergonomics, mm -hmm. more usable power. A little more humane. For 11,600. Yep. Cool. Yes, yeah, pretty reasonable that's, that's price. That's cool. Very reasonable. It's a lot of performance for, for that dollar. Yeah. Bang for your buck. Yeah. What we have here is a new model. Um, it's the SV650X. It is a new version of the SV650. And what makes this bike really, really neat is it's a cafe racer styled motorcycle. So compared to the regular uh, SVs, instead of a tubular handlebar, it now uses clip-ons. You can see it uses a remote reservoir master cylinder. That's something that you normally see on a GSXR. So the riding position on this bike is definitely more sporty. It's not ridiculous super sport crouched over, but it's still more sporty. One of the things that's different about this bike compared to the, to the SB650X that was introduced in Europe a few months back is this new bike now has four piston brake calipers on it. The previous SB650s had two piston brake calipers, two of them, obviously there's two um, brakes on each bike or on the front wheel rather, but now it has double the number of active pistons in the master or in the brake caliper. Which was always kind of a weak a point more, in the SVs. A lot, a lot more braking capacity, Very better cool. stopping power. Mm. SVs are renowned for being just a lot of fun. And this motorcycle, not this particular one, but an SV, just won the very first inaugural Motor America Twins Championship. So it took on other bikes like the MT-07 and, and some other smaller Ducatis, things like that. And SV650 now won the championship in that in that uh, new class. Oh wow! So this bike will probably continue that tradition next year. So now is this the current gen SV motor in here, the one that's kind of uh, it's like a couple steps ahead of the Gladius, forward from the Gladius? Yes, this is this okay. is the newer generation engine that makes over 70 horsepower. Um, one of the things, just like you'll see with versions of this engine in the uh, V-Stroms, it's an L-twin engine. And when we talk about L-twin, we're talking about the fact that the engine is an L-shaped. It's a 90-degree V-twin. And the advantage behind that is that engine has perfect primary balance. So you don't have to add balancer shabs or, or do extra engine mounts and things like that to have to deal with unwanted vibration. Um, some other motorcycles, parallel twins from both Honda and Yamaha, have balancer shafts, and frankly, you lose some horsepower from having to drive those shafts. Push all that weight and around. And you never sure. completely get rid of the vibration. You'll feel power pulses on an L-twin engine, but they're comfortable, they're not obtrusive at all. 
It's a great power plant to use in the sport bike. Look at how narrow and trim this it is bike really, is. It's really yeah. this bike. I, Was that sun up there, Evan? Yeah, I can tell you in just a moment. This bike is $83.99. It'll be at dealers in January. In January, okay. Right. 83 wow. Yeah. yeah, and it's ready to go, just as you one? see it here. Yeah, I've been test driving SVs and been really interested in them in the last... 8400 Yeah, Yeah, this is what I've been dealing with at our local dealership. I test drove the ABS and the non-ABS version, and I feel like with more miles on it, it would be more opened up and more of a more of the ride that I'm looking for, but this is very interesting to me, and I really like the seat addition, or the yeah, seat change. Yeah, it, it's a, a pleated seat. Mm -hmm. It looks a little bit like tuck and roll. This seat is just a touch taller. It's like a quarter of an inch taller, but it's still less than 31 inches. Yeah, and I have so a really long inseam, so I think that'd be fine. I'm more interested in the change in the riding posture, so if we can get this on the floor tomorrow, I'd be super interested in we'll, we'll see if we can do that. Throwing a leg over it, yeah. Yeah, a lot of folks are the same as you. They're, they have experience with the SV. They know what a sweetheart, what a fun bike it is. They really want to make this their next bike. What does the X stand for? The X is just a designation that it's a different style bike. Extremely cool looking. So to get the cafe look, to get the cafe look, what they did is they created this little um, cowl, has a little bikini fairing look. But then they also added these panels here. So when you stand back from the bike, it doesn't look like just a traditional cafe no, bike. It's very different. It looks like a half fairing, almost like a frame mounted fairing. So if you're familiar with SVs, you notice the little things like the preload adjusters on the forks and things like that. That's pretty cool. The, the slots, there's that's actually kind of a throwback thing where they used to do that on race bikes to help brake and change the airflow to enhance stability. Hmm. So you're letting some of the air flow through the slot to keep pressure from causing oscillation or something like that. that so it's not just a style look, there's an actual function to those slots. Is the computer and electronics up here the same as the previous generation? Very similar, yes. Okay. Yeah, that it's that nice display. And if, if you're familiar with it, you can change the intensity level of that. You can change how the, the bar graph tachometer changes. Yeah. It's a really good display. It's not too dissimilar to what they use on the GSXS models as well. All right. Very cool. I'm super interested if you guys get it on the floor tomorrow. We'll, we'll do that for you. So how does like that, that feel? I, it feels like home, to be honest with you. And another well, bike sold here at Las yes, Vegas. It Suzuki. feels just like home, but with better front brake. That's a big improvement. I like well, that. Well, what's great is you're sitting on one of the more popular adventure-themed uh, motorcycles out there, and that's the V-Strom 1000. I you use one of say. these motorcycles every day to go back and forth between home and, and Suzuki, and I have about 45,000 miles on my personal bike. And all, my biggest problem is I have to change tires every once in a while. Mm -hmm. It's a fantastic motorcycle. Mm -hmm. So what happens if you've got one of these V-Stroms <laughs> spread out across your garage floor in pieces? Was this before or after the fire? This was a Gen 1, and that one's mine. Okay. I have a Gen 1 V-Strom 1000 that's in a 1,000 so pieces like a on my garage floor. 2005. 2005. 2005. So I guess Gen 2 when they got the clutch basket better. But uh, it's in a sad state. 
Yeah, there and there were some upgrades that could be applied to your bike, so we can always chat about this that This one later. feels mm. so much smaller than yours. It does. It feels physically so much smaller than the old Strom. Like, because the old Strom, the Gen 1s, there was like just everything giant yeah. fairing up here, and now it's kind of... Whoop, it's very, very, it's very Well, that was part of the intention when the bike was redesigned mm -hmm. in um, for the 14 model year. What was interesting at that time, Suzuki was doing some different things with their design and development team. And a lot of the guys that worked on this bike came off of other sport bike hmm. uh, design teams, GSX-R yeah. in particular. So when you look at things like the front end on this motorcycle, it's got a very large uh, diameter inverted fork. It has radio mounted brake calipers, things like that. When you look at it, it almost looks like sport bike running gear. Well, the bottom line is it's just high quality stuff. Yeah, it's like a whole different set of gear. I mean, because my my 05, it's got, uh, I had new brakes for it. I got off of an R6 I never, or, that, I never, that I never got to put on it because it died. You know, the suspension needed upgrading at both ends. You know, it was this great engine in kind of a bike. Um, well, it feels like they were trying. It feels like they're trying to get away from that. Yeah. Well, we we continually strive to improve the product. Mm -hmm. um, that bike uh, it originally started out of some thoughts from um, Traley models that were sold in Europe. Um, prior to that, in Europe, we had a model that was actually based off of the DR650 called a uh, Freewind. It was a street-going DR650 styled huh. as a street bike. Um, the markets out there wanted something bigger. The Americans also wanted something like that. So the V-Strom concept was developed and they used the engine from the TL1000 S, TL1000R. Speaking of good engines and iffy fantastic bikes. Fantastic engines. No, those were very good motorcycles too. Um, the public didn't, didn't embrace those bikes like they embraced the V-Strom though. The V-Strom, the V-Strom was one of the motorcycles where what we call the Suzuki uh, triangle hit. And whenever we look at bikes and we think about how bikes are developed, we look at three very important areas. We look at styling. We look at performance. And performance doesn't always just necessarily mean being the fastest, but does it perform its mission well? And then we look at value. And the goal to every Suzuki is hitting very well in each of those segments. Because you look at other motorcycles in the market, and sometimes they'll be really good in style, but the value isn't there. Sure. Or they'll be very fast, but the styling isn't there. So Suzuki strives to hit the balance in that triangle, so they end up with a motorcycle that's either about what the customer wants, or, this is important, is the canvas for them to start to build the bike that they want. And that's mm -hmm. where the V-Stroms are great. <laughs> now, a couple years ago, we refined the V-Strom even more. We had a big update in 14, and then in 18, we did a big update. We actually brought that bike in in 2017 as an 18 model, but a lot of the electronics were updated on this bike. And this was the first Japanese manufactured adventure bike, and I believe it still is the only one that has an IMU, an inertia measurement unit. And what's key about that, having an IMU, where the motorcycle has an electronic device to measure motion to the bike, how it's reacting in the environment. So it measures five directions over three axes. It measures pitch down, that's nose coming down. It measures roll, roll right, roll left, and yaw, turn right, turn left. By knowing all that information, it then can send 
that data to the ABS controller. So what this motorcycle has that no other adventure bike in its category has, it has the motion track combined braking and ABS system. Hmm. What it can do is it senses how you're riding a bike, whether you're on the road or you're on a dirt road or a trail. If you're coming into a corner too hot, say, and you're pitching the nose down, using too much front brake, the system will go, look, he just dropped the nose in tight, all this stuff. Now he's turning in. That may be a situation where the rider might tuck the nose. Mm -hmm. With this system, it can then back off the brake pressure in the front and then maybe apply some rear. The ABS system itself can adjust and apply either brake or both brakes simultaneously to correct the motorcycle's attitude while it's braking. It's so subtle, it's so transparent that the rider doesn't even realize it's happening. And that's why the V-Stroms don't have to have their ABS systems disabled when they're ridden off-road. There's programming and stuff with that system that already exists there. Hmm. Most adventure riders, when they tip over off-road, it's because they've tucked the nose by using too much front brake. Hmm. It's a pretty heavy bike to be riding in a dirt environment. I've checked. Yes, it's true. Yeah. He speaks truth. So which which year Strom do you ride? I have a 14. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'd Why love to get beak? one of these. Yep, the beak. Why? 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 Well, so I loved not having a beak, and now I'm suddenly like considering beak. That was that came again. about in the 14 update, right? It was... Well, it was it was applied to the bike in the 14 update, and then in uh, in 17 we actually added it also to the, to the uh, v-strom 650 yeah the significance of the beak that goes all the way back to the mid 80s to the dr 800 dakar racer so it was actually developed for the dakar rally uh, suzuki's that were running that rally so it's it's a useful look it's there to design it's there and designed to stop uh, dirt and air and things like that from hitting the rider but it also creates a particular look. And that look, which Suzuki developed, is now synonymous with adventure bikes and other off-road bikes, and it actually goes back to that original um, DR800 from, from the 80s, Paris of the Carbide. One of the advantages, too, is with this shape, you can see they now stack the headlights. Yep. Your bike had side-by-side yep. lights. That's one of the reasons that you mentioned the, the fairing felt bulbous. Mm-hmm. Now this fairing is very trim and smooth. Yep. They've added seating. things in like ratcheting. Ah, because they... You oh. can change the pitch of the windshield Because we all Because we all bought the Madstad that did that as an aftermarket thing. Yeah. Yes. The canvas strikes again. Well, a lot of people would search a lot around with the early V-Stroms, and, and I fell into that too with mm-hmm. my 2002. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between trying to get still air and trying mm-hmm. to eliminate buffeting. The, yeah, and, and, and that. Your goal is really to eliminate here. buffeting. <laughs> yeah. Because sometimes when you put too large of a screen on, you change the, the negative air behind the screen mm-hmm. and you actually will create worse buffeting on your shoulders or other places. So something shaped like this, especially where you can adjust the pitch of it, works better than a large barn door style fairing. Yep. Like, I happen to notice when, most of the time when I'm riding mine, I keep it in that position. Mm-hmm. If I start to get rain, I'll click it forward, and it, it only takes that much mm-hmm. to deflect the rain over my helmet. Nice. So, it, it's pretty nice. Now, 
this bike has a new brother for 2019, Ooh. and that's the V-Strom 1000 XT Adventure. And what they did is they took the standard V-Strom 1000 XT, and an XT model has spoke-style wheels and tubeless tires on it. Ah, so the BMW any style funky nice. pairing. Yeah, you can see the, the Actually, the no, it is not designed. Totally different design? Totally different design. It's actually a superior design. You can you see can that see the, the spoke is the spoke comes off of a pair of ridges on the center of the rim. Right. Where the BMW does it from the side. Right. Some of the challenges with designs like the BMW, if you damage the edge of the rim, you Ooh, also damage bound. the spoke. Mm -hmm. On this one, you can actually see there's additional holes. Mm -hmm. If you lose or damage a spoke or a spoke hole, if you relace the wheel, you can use those other holes. Nice. Now, the, a spoke style wheel is more compliant, it can take an impact from, say, riding on a dirt road or something better than a cast wheel. Cast wheels work great if you're predominantly riding on the road, mm -hmm. but you want something that has a little bit more compliance like this for uh, true adventure work. Now with the new adventure, uh, we add the Suzuki accessory bar. Okay. We also add the heated grips, and these are brand new for the United States. Those are 37 liter capacity aluminum panniers. It's on stainless steel racks. So this is more oriented at um, adventure touring. You can see that it also comes with a center stand. So that just makes it a little bit easier when you're doing service. You know, here's a motorcycle that you can just kind of aim at the horizon and keep oh. riding. And you know, you gotta adjust and move your chain every once in a while. So there's a center stand for it. You know, this motorcycle has a lot less weight than other bikes with shaft drive because of that chain. So taking 40, 50 pounds off of a bike while you're able, while you're able to um, do just a little bit of chain maintenance, it's a pretty good trade-off. Now I noticed that they took the aluminum boxes and mounted up way high. Because one of the things that was, I noticed about the new Strons is the, uh, that mailbox of an exhaust pipe that's on them. Well, it, it, the exhaust system is definitely larger. Mm -hmm. You know, the whole idea when you see a large silencer, mm. that's a clue for someone who understands um, engineering that the motorcycle is making power. Mm -hmm. You need a larger silencer to bring the sound level down when you're moving a lot of air. Mm -hmm. And that's an indication that the bike is making a lot of power. Now, in this case, the uh, panniers are mounted a little bit higher. That is, is done for ground clearance and other things like that. There is a top case that you can also get for this bike. Mm -hmm. And the value behind this bike, where the base V-Strom is about $13,000, that motorcycle decked out the way it is, even with the heated grips, is $15,599. Hmm. So that's a lot of money less than the competitors. In some cases, more than $5,000 less. Yeah, and I know from experience, you can sink a lot of money into a Strom. You it's can, time for you to get off the Strom. You can make no. it do whatever you want. You got to get off the bike. They oh. can't have it back. I have another V-Strom I'd like to show you. you oh. You've got to get off the Strom. Fine. Well, here's the other other new V-Strom I wanted to show you, and it's the V-Strom 650 XT Touring. Mm -hmm. And the reason it's touring, not adventure, is it's aimed a little bit more at predominantly a pavement role. Maybe where the adventure could be a 50-50 pavement dirt mm -hmm. bike. This is more like a 70-30 pavement mm -hmm. over dirt. 
And what's really great about this motorcycle is we're using our established Suzuki side cases along with an accessory bar. And this bike is less than $10,000 the way it's decked out right now. And that no includes shit. a center stand. It's a fantastic okay. deal where you have naked bikes in that category well, that you, cost more than And you this. could get on this thing and like ride until the end of time. Yep. Because it's a strong. You don't even have to check valve lash on these bikes until 17,000 miles. And so after the first two adjustments, it never moves anyway. They, they do settle in. They will stay in place. You know, the... One of the great things about every V-Strom we, we manufacture, we include a set of tumblers. We, we include three extra lock tumblers, and that's well, when you add something like the side cases or even mm -hmm. the top case, mm -hmm. you have those tumblers that are already keyed to match the ignition switch. Ah, that's pretty true. So you have one key that can operate all of your Suzuki uh, saddlebags. Gotcha, gotcha. I noticed this one has the spoke wheels too. Is yes, that... yes. Very cool. Yeah, and you and frankly, you can go into any dealer, any Suzuki dealer, and add these things to the bike. You know, if you want to add the center stand to the bike, the dealer just orders it up from Suzuki and puts it on for you. Hmm. Simple. It's real simple and straightforward. Very cool. Front, get a shot from the front. Back. Yeah. Design still. Mm-hmm. And it's beaky. Love it. So now, so now, two things I wanna I wanna just bring up, and you can feel free to just smile and nod. <laughs> but I noticed there's two things you don't say. You don't use the term Weestrom, which is very common kind of colloquialism for the 650. Um, I also noticed that you keep calling this the accessory bar, not the crash bar, or not the uh, the actual like impact bar. Which you know it certainly gives off the let's protect our plastic. Um, Yeah. Well, the the Weestrom thing. There's there's some of us at Suzuki that use that time to time. Mm -hmm. There's other people that just don't like the use of it. Mm -hmm. I have an engineering background, so mm -hmm. I like to use the terms that are appropriate for what I'm talking about. Sure. You know, I'll, I'll mention GSXR instead of Jixer and things like mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's a little bit different reason. But there's a lot of people that adore and love and call these bikes uh, Weestroms. As for the accessory bar, if, if you call something a crash bar or a protection bar or whatever, we, we, you don't want to give the customer a false sense of security about the accessory. You can drop uh, this bike at, at low speed this, this and there'll be some protection. This plastic doesn't scratch at low speed, no. I checked. But you, know, you need to understand you know, what it can do and what it can't do. Sure. And the reality is, is most of the time those are used for mounting auxiliary lights. Mm -hmm. You know, our lights or some other aftermarket sure. lights. Sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. Avery, thank you so much for taking no the problem. time to speak with us. We really appreciate all your time, man. All right. If you guys want to come back some other time, there, there's still more new stuff. This year, if you add in our uh, ATVs and off-road, we either have... Um, either completely new or significantly changed bikes. We have about 30 just this year alone wow. that are new or completely changed. We are continuing to grow. We're the only manufacturer that's showing growth in every segment, ATV, scooter, and motorcycles. We're real proud of that. A big piece of that is the motorcycles themselves. So uh, check out these bikes at your Suzuki dealer. They're there to go and have fun with. You and that dude were... 
We were we bonded. You were. Tight. I'm not gonna lie. We super duper bonded. Like I was expecting even, to be fired. From even the show. after even after we interviewed him, yeah. like I was walking away and I just like bumped into him and we were just. I saw you. We kept bullshitting. I know. I saw. <laughs> we I continued to bullshit. I thought for sure I was getting fired. <laughs> you you're he's the new the new guy. Here's the new Chuck. <laughs> new new Chuck. We've upgraded <laughs> to Strom nerds. Strom nerds. Welcome to Strom nerds. Where we Strom at Stromy Strom Strom. Also Stroms. <laughs> Look at my box of Strom. Occasionally old shitbag bandits. Because <laughs> you have one of those, too. Oh, Jesus. No wonder you guys. Because <laughs> every every Suzuki nerd has to have at least one shitbag bandit somewhere in their past. Uh-huh. It's like the it's like the badge of honor. <sighs> it's like turning your key to the park position and killing your bike. I see. Now you're a Suzuki owner. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You've done it. Yeah, but I... I Jay did it twice owner. on two different bikes. I'm not a Strom owner. Sure. Well, you're not kind of that filthy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I I can't handle yard tools. At, That's true. At dealerships. Yes, but then you then you roll up on a GS. Like, Hello, I'm fancy. Old shitbag GS. Yeah, it still counts. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I've seen the. That was a really neat interview. That uh, that new. So I was thinking about the new SV, and it looks bomber. Yeah. But the handlebars would just suck. Yeah, the, the the low handlebars, the clip on e style handlebars, or yeah. what do they call them? Cafe bars or whatever. Yeah. I just don't think they do any good for the bike. Okay. Like the bike is so well balanced in terms of its ergos and stuff as is. Like I don't think the scrunched over position would do it any favors. Uh I know I remember Melinda really digging it. Oh yeah. Well, I mean the looks of the thing is great. She the really paint is amazing. Yeah. The fairing is the little little bikini fairing is yeah. really fucking cool. And she was kind of put off of the SVs after uh test riding ducati scrambler mm-hmm. she was like totally put off but when she saw the new one at uh mm-hmm. Ames, she was yeah. back into like sv land well sv's always there they were, i i pointed them out to several ducati guys and i'm like you know that this costs like a third as much and has like 10 more fucking horsepower right and, and they're like oh it looks like a piece of crap and ooh, and then they sip their little ooh, coffees yes extruded frames ew yuck i'm like but the extruded frame is actually it's better and and yeah exactly but desmo valves yeah you know the desmo valve problem was solved years ago with metallurgy right yep could you leave the premises please (laughs) sir (laughs) sir you need to go but i have a vespa you can stay but you have to stay out front and beg for change (laughs) i'm used to it ching 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 (laughs) oh so i uh, i had a class uh in november Okay. Or not. Hi, Sarah. Okay. Yeah. So the, uh, the, the memo that the classes were canceled was sort of buried in a bigger email and I didn't read that part. So you showed up. By so yourself. I showed up by myself, fucking freezing ass cold morning Standing in a dark parking there. lot by myself with nobody around. And I'm like, I'm in danger. <laughs> <laughs> I became a meme that day. Where were you? I was, I was over like over at the Valley high school parking lot, okay. which is like, like the, the car dealership keeps you from being visible from the road. Yeah. And like the lights weren't on uh-huh. <laughs> or anything. You were like a single white female. Yeah. I was definitely like, <laughs> it's a good thing. Hold, good. hold my keys like this. So I'm ready to punch. It's a good thing that I'm a six foot tall man in an arrow stitch suit wearing a helmet. With a very, 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 really quite fast bike <laughs> to escape on. <laughs> I mean, if they chase me on a Hayabusa, I'm in trouble until I ram it. Because <laughs> that's your first instinct. So, remember, if you're being chased by ninjas on motorcycles and you have a sidecar, just fucking hit them. Okay. Because they'll fall over and you won't. 
Yeah, that's that's true. That fiberglass knows that that kanji does not mean hot soup. That kanji means ramming speed. We're going to have to get you a new kanji. <laughs> ramming speed. <laughs> I got to be honest, that'd be pretty fucking cool. In fact, that might be what you we, need we in have front to of the URL. You need, you need Cyrillic it. for ramming speed in the front of your URL. I do know some Russians. There you go. I do know. I have some Russian friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ramming speed. So Suzuki wasn't the only people we talked to, despite my great, wonderful love for Suzuki. While I was off wandering the show, I managed to sit down with the guys at Cardo. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're here with Dan and Bruce from Cardo. How are you doing, guys? Very good today. Wonderful. Great. So Dan, you are in charge of marketing and support? Marketing, product, and customer support. And you do sound design, right, Bruce? Yes, I'm the director of engineering for JBL. Oh, cool. All right. So what, let's start out with the, the partnership thing. What's, what's, what brings together Cardo and JBL? So, Did you uh, guys meet on Tinder? Was it, was there... <laughs> well, it was a passion of sorts, but not that type. <laughs> yeah, not not that type. Who swiped right first, I guess? <laughs> yeah. I think it was together. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll start from my side of the yeah. Tinder. Uh, <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm too old Romance. for this. <laughs> so, just, uh, just strap in and get used to it down here. It's all going to be like this downhill. <laughs> oh, my God. And I need to focus... <laughs> Come on. <laughs> all, right. all about the comedy. Well, <laughs> I, think, I, I think we realized we need to have great sound after we talk with uh, the writing community. We have friendly writing community all around the world. And, and this is where we're going to, to ask, you know, whether we can do better. And one of the things they, they came straight on thing is say, you know, we really want the sound experience to be, to be great. It's part of the experience of writing. Uh, I want to augment that with with great, great sound. Now, are we talking through helmet speakers, yes. through earbuds, or both, or or both, or both. Or okay. both. Right. So uh, most riders ride with uh, speakers for various reasons, but you know it doesn't matter. You you want great sound wherever you go. Um, and we started to research, and when we understood this would be a top priority, uh, and we started to research the field, we. we understood that we need to partner with a company for whom sound is a second nature. So we looked more and we quickly zoomed on the most successful sound company in the automotive field, which is Harman, the owners of such brands as uh, Harman Kardon, uh, Mark Levinson, um, Infinity, uh, AKG, and of course JBL. So we reached out to Harman and we're, um, well, truly excited to find out that a company with such vast experience and expertise was as eager to partner with us um, and you could say it was was an immediate synergy um, and I think that Bruce always say well synergy of passions where we have the passion for the ride and they have the passion for music and sound sound right so what was the the big feedback you were hearing from riders about the sound because I ride with uh, in-ear molded earbuds and even with those, you know, you still got the road and the wind and everything, and, and the sound I'm kind of so-so about. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not very, it's a little tinny, but I, I mean, how do, you, how do you get passionate about the sound when you've got all this external noise happening anyways? Well, first off, we're very excited for this partnership with Passionate. Cardo. That was passionate. passionate. Um, and when it comes to good sound, there are several factors, especially in a complex sound environment such as a motorcycle or wearing a helmet with speakers. The first thing was to characterize what some of the issues are. 
one of the big issues is speaker location and speaker fit. Uh, different helmets, different heads, different ear locations. Uh, so we did an overall large study on all of those variables. We were able to distill those differences down to certain sound profiles. So the big feature that's now added into the Cardo Pack Talk is multiple presets. So we have one, which is an optimized sound for someone that has very good fit, and the speakers are located very well near their ear canals. But that's not always the case. We have a, another setting where the typically, if you're not fitting well, you'll lose bass response. So the bass guitar, the drums, and the like will be not represented well. So we have one which is a preset called bass, bass enhancement. So it takes that bass frequency and boosts it up. So you can also use that for people's different musical tastes. Maybe you like the big thumpy bass or maybe you don't like the big thumpy bass. Now you, can, you have the freedom to choose that. One of the other features of the PacTalk Liccardo systems is communication. I mean, they happen to be the world leaders in communication through the helmet. So to take that to the next level and enhance it further, we have a voice, a vocal preset. So what it does is the vocal frequency range is then boosted above background noise and the like to enhance whether it's a vocal music track or whether it's writer-to-writer -writer communication. Now, does adding in a, that the, the source might be a Bluetooth thing change that, make that more complex? Is there sound loss quality with Bluetooth, or is, that, is it not? Well, that's a, that's a great question. The overall performance of the system is a complete chain of parts, starting from what is the source device? How is the source device delivering that music content to the next hardware in the chain. So what we did at JVL was analyze the overall system, hardware, software. Fortunately, a Cardo had done a tremendous job in original system design. The hardware was incredible. So we were able to make small changes to that hardware, small changes to the software processing. So now we have touched every portion of the chain to make the overall chain that much better, move it to the next level. Where did Cardo and, and JBL bump heads, if anywhere? Did you guys ever reach a point where you're in this design and you're, and you're like, we need to do this for the sound, and Cardo was like, yeah, but that's radioactive and that's gonna kill everybody. <laughs> well, first of all, we don't, deal with hazardous materials so that's you know we can take that off the table um, I think one of the things that made this partnership work is the realization from our side that we don't know that much about sound and you know these are the experts and I think the realization of Harman was that you know we as Cardo know a lot about helmets and motorcycle preferences um, and in a way uh, each one of us complete the other. So each one of us brought to, to, to the field something that the other didn't know. And you know, every partnership eventually it goes down to the people. 
and I don't know maybe maybe the both of us are very agreeable people but we never had to have a fist fight so okay it's a good humble approach yeah there wasn't like an area where that was the best or the most compromised that you guys had to face no it was uh, interesting in that our group does audio for a lot of outside companies I mean we're in the, the current generation of Ferraris uh, we're in Lincoln Navigators, Porsches, Mercedes, uh-huh. and on a lot of those companies, they do have a certain understanding, and they have they come with a certain attitude, and a lot of times that attitude can we can butt heads, but in this specific case, it was extremely refreshing. Cardo came to it, like Dan said, with an open mind, and they swim in their lane very efficiently. And we're able to tell us, do your thing. And JBL did the same thing, and vice versa. They do their communication, their mesh networking, their hardware and software design. They're, they're the best in the world at it. And we're the best in the world, if I could pat myself on the back, uh, at sound. And the two, yeah, we, we never really had any that's, issues. That's amazing. So. Would you say your your system is best used with the helmet speakers or still with ear, in-ear audio? So uh, my our recommendation is always speakers. Um, really? Yeah, only because um, in you know um, in-ear buds uh-huh. may disconnect you from everything around you, and you do want that little bit of you know emergency or something happening. You want to have that little. Um, uh, Let's say, Notice. yeah, ambient yeah. awareness. Let let's put it this way. Yeah. Uh, but again, I mean, one of the reasons we've installed all our communicators with, um, you know, standard 3.5 millimeter jack is because some people have a preference for, you know, for the, for the earbuds, yeah. sure. and other for for others. So, you know, we're cool with everything you choose. Uh, we do have our accommodation, but hey, you know, uh, bike is about individuality. It's about passion. And uh, you know, certainly not about other people telling you what you should need to do. Right. I, I, I like it when people tell me what to do. Oh, really? <laughs> Makes my life very easy. So, helmet fit is so important when it comes to the sound, right? I mean, you've yeah. got to have a close, close connection to the if you're going to use the helmet speakers. Yes. You, you just so because helmet struggle sizing is a struggle for me. <laughs> I have I have a round head, so it's like trying to fit into stuff. Like Senna's brought their helmet integrated thing, but yeah. I don't know if that's going to fit my melon. Yeah, so so helmet fit I think is important, whichever aspect you look at it. I mean, it's important with you know for everything. Uh, I can tell you a personal secret, but you know don't share it with everyone on the blog. No, of course you can choose. <laughs> no, I've totally no, no, no. turned off the recorder. Be able- yes, it's all confidential. You know, my, my, my ear canal are, are placed ahead of most, uh, uh, you know, helmet ear cavities. So if I placed uh, my speakers at the ear cavity, they will be here. Uh-huh. And, 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 you know, the sound experience would not be the same. Right. So I already know that I need to place them about almost an inch little less like three quarters of an inch ahead and it means it's outside of the ear cavity to enjoy them to to their max and this is what we're telling everyone you know ear cavities your helmet ear cavities are a recommendation only therefore the average person most of the us are not average so just place them in the correct space place them just across your ear canals and you'll do fine 
okay, so talk to us about what the, what's the flagship product now? The Pack Talk Bold and the Pack Talk Slim? Exactly. So so our Pack Talk series is kind of the, the, the golden standards of motorcycle communication. It's mesh equipped. Uh, we were the first to introduce dynamic mesh uh, back in late 2014. This is going to be the fifth generation uh, that we're going to release in early 2019 with JBL sound system. Okay, so you've been doing like a generation a year almost. Almost, yeah. Wow, wow yeah, that's yeah, a lot. Yeah. That's we, we very fast improvement. And, and because of our experience, we know how hard it is to tune the system to work flawlessly to be at absolute reliability and, and performance range and uh, also the ability to reconnect. It's, it's not an easy thing. And when we first took um, the plunge and, and realized that you can stretch Bluetooth technology to a certain spot, you know, point, and if you want to go above that, you really need to look for a different protocol. That was kind of a brave jump into to a pool of whose depth we didn't know at the time uh -huh. um, and, and and that's what makes these absolutely special the second thing and that happened last year is was a second you know uh, a leap of faith uh, with the natural voice operation that you're about to try meaning telling people forget buttons you know you don't need buttons anymore and yes they're there if you, you know just to make you feel comfortable but you can activate almost everything using your natural voice in a continuous Alexa-like fashion. So another computer I have to talk to. <laughs> well, you know, it's either this or push buttons, <laughs> or push which, buttons. whichever you prefer, whichever you prefer. You know, they're there. And and the third. How one, many girls' names do I need to learn <laughs> to run my motorcycle? Well, here's here's the the nice thing. Uh, her name is Cardo, and it's not really a female name. <laughs> That's so, okay. So, so you know, right now you say, hey, Carter, music on. Hey, Carter, next track. Hey, Carter, volume up. Hey, Carter, mute audio. Hey, Carter, battery status. How does that integrate with, like, the, the iPhone, which already has Siri that does the same stuff? So you say, hey, Siri. Okay, so you don't talk to Carter. And then you don't talk to Carter. You say, hey, Siri, what's the weather like in Las Vegas? Can you adjust the voice? Or, I'm sorry, can you adjust the volume with voice? Of course. So you just say, hey, Cardo, louder, hey, Cardo. Hey, Cardo, volume up. Hey, Cardo, volume down. And hey, you'll see that very soon. Hey, Cardo, I'm going deaf. Please stop. <laughs> no, that would be, okay, Google, I'm going deaf. What to do? <laughs> What's the difference between the bold and the slim models? Okay, I'll, uh, I think I think the, uh, the best way is to show it. But for the benefit of the... Uh, Podcast. Oh wow, they're going loud in the drums or the blowing. Oh no, it's the Maybe motorcycle. They started something. Yeah. So do you want to wait or shall we? Yeah, we can wait a little yeah. bit. And you probably see here, like you've identified the the motor of yeah, the cruise. Yeah, I'll bring yeah, it. Yeah, I haven't been quite the uh, head, so you're, you're like, hey, the timing's a little off. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll just pop. So. Uh, so the Pacta Bolt is uh, a universal fit. It will fit any helmet. Okay. It's uh, 26 millimeters. Um, so it, it looks like the familiar Cardo unit. That exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Have an extractable antenna, and and you could switch it from one helmet to another. Only need to buy just a few other. Um, just a cradle. Yeah, a cradle. Yeah. The audio kit, uh -huh. and it will fit anywhere. Okay. Now. In the um, oops, sorry about that. Um, 
That is right. pretty well secured. Yep, right, it's nice. secured. It's it won't fly. off by accident. No. Uh, well, it will fall off. God forbid you have an accident, but otherwise, no. Uh, I didn't see people I know over there and it's giving them the finger. <laughs> That's not what happened at all. I am a professional. Exactly. Please continue. <laughs> exactly. Now, the, the Sling version, as the name suggests, is the same exact system. Yeah, so this thing... The same mesh system. It almost looks like it's just a cradle. Yeah, it's 6.5 millimeters thin. It has all the mesh technology all the um, natural voice operation 2019 yeah. JBL sound system so in a much slicker uh, integral unit we put the battery at the back oh, okay. so is this helmet specific or so, is this also universal no this is almost universal for example Schubert almost. would have a thick uh, rim uh -huh. so it will be hard but every you know normal uh, had uh, a helmet whether it's AJC or I or showy or any other uh -huh. would have like a normal um, neck you know will fit so does JBL technology come into play with interpreting the voice commands current currently no but uh, and I'll leave it up to Dan to talk about roadmaps for oh, okay future products so the battery pack for this is in the back of the yeah. helmet. Okay. And is it similar battery life between the two? Yes. 13 hours talk time, one week standby. What's the, the price difference between them? It costs exactly the same. Oh, so it's just whether what you want it to look like. Exactly. Oh, all it's, right. it's all about your preferences. Okay. It's all about your preferences. Now, both this spectrum. has an antenna on it, so does yes. that help with it? Does that mean it has an extended range? So or this, this one, yeah, yeah. The, the only difference is this one has slightly less of a range. This one is one mile. This one is 0.75 miles. Otherwise, identical. Okay. But when you're using the pack talk technology, then your range is... Yeah, because you can leapfrog the signal. Okay. We always say, you know, unlike any Bluetooth machine, this one actually gets better the more people in the group. Because Pack Talk is a proprietary technology. The DMC in Pack Talk is a proprietary technology. Okay. Um, but it does have a Bluetooth bridge to bridge in, you know, any Bluetooth other device for Cardo or another brand. Uh huh. Yeah, we don't talk about other brands. <laughs> <laughs> what you know, other brands? Oh, uh, you know, you know, you know. It's funny. You know, United States has like you know one very famous brand that we're competing against, and Japan uh -huh. has another very famous brand, which is not the same brand, but. It, another brand totally oh okay and in europe you'll have other competitors so right. it's very very geo you know change geographically it seems like every other week i get an email from someone in china who wants to sell me something that looks like the cardo <laughs> you know um, right i mean it's just it's it seems almost it's rampant it's just the kind of it's rampant and 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 you know what um in in a way you know uh, Copying or imitation is the best form of flattery, so yeah, I take this as, as a compliment. It still sucks to see. <laughs> no one wants to see it, especially because you know you're going to put one of those Chinese ones or a, a knockoff on, yeah. and like a, two weeks later, a spring's going to pop out of it. Yeah, well, you know, your head's going to catch on fire. Hopefully, you know, hopefully, if you're if if you're paying fifty-five dollars for you know something that looks like a pack talk and it breaks down you won't come to cardo you know you get what yeah. you pay for and yes. in this consumer trying business it's always the truth you, you might get not what know you pay this for. but a couple weeks ago i was on fire really yeah yeah <laughs> can't, bike, can't tell a bit fire oh wow yeah show them the swag bag what show them the sticker bag 
What sticker bag? Oh, <laughs> it's in one of the bags. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. My, my, my war story is let, less... Let me just take a moment here to say, hi, Larry, from Creative Writing Podcast. Is been creeping over here? How you doing, Larry? I'm like, who is this guy creeping in the corner? <laughs> I'm sorry, Larry, but the restraining order is very clear about 100 yards. <laughs> that's that's non-negotiable even at these shows, man. I'm sorry. Everybody <laughs> right. was super suspicious. I'm like, who is this guy? Uh, okay. What's the price point on, on the model? So the MSRP um, for both of these are uh, 329 and, and of course, you know, you look at Amazon or your nearest store, you may get them for a lower price depending on the time and, uh, you know, offers that that specific vendor have for that time. So I know she got the half dome yes. with a cardo. Yes. Does that, does that have speakers as well or is that only in here? All right. So um, many of the half helmets have, um, you know, speaker placement. And, and for that, you just take um, an audio kit, which we call half helmet kit. By the way, a little secret, it's great for skiing too. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I put mine on my ski helmet and you know, once you ski with that, the team, it's very hard to ski without. What kind of audio environment does that provide JBL to work with? It, it's, it's... I mean, because you got, it's just hanging, all hanging out. Yeah, it, it's a very difficult environment. We've dealt with quite a few difficult environments. Uh, uh, Ferrari being one, where even in cabin, which is relatively controlled, we know where the speakers are, we know where the engine is, um, that over the decades we've developed a lot of techniques, both in acoustic mechanical techniques, as far as speaker fit, holder, ceiling, and then electric techniques, algorithms in the software and the like to compensate for that. But yes, it's a it's an extremely challenging environment that we're happy to address. Oh, okay. Cool. Well, any last kind of things you want to throw out there? Try it. Can you buy this today? Yep. So yeah, of course, the Pack Talk Bolt and Pack Talk Slim are available for sale wherever cardo products are being sold. The, um, uh, the JBL-powered uh, Pack Talk Bold and Slim will be available in stores uh, in uh, probably early spring uh, okay. of 2019. Okay, early 2019 oh, for the JBL. One very important thing. If you do have a Pack Talk of any year, or even a Freecom of any year, Freecom is a mid-range Bluetooth communicator okay. series. You can see the one, two, and three, and four then we have even uh, better news for you because uh, coming the writing season 2019, we'll be offering the same JBL solution of hardware and matching firmware software for all existing pack talks and all existing free comps as a purchasable accessory. So it's a very, very inclusive revolution. So what would, be, what, what would you get in the so what you'll get in the upgrade, you get a set of speakers and a software code that you will need to insert in the Cardo Connect app. And that will basically unlock um, a different um, music processor and a different uh, tuning and a different uh, equalizer. Okay, but everything else is already in the unit. Everything will be already in the unit by then. All right, well that, that's really cool. I mean, yeah. Thanks a lot, Dan. Oh, you're welcome. Bruce, now, I mean, this is a pleasure. now you need to you're try. Welcome. Okay, yeah. I was really impressed by their hardware. Yeah? 
I was super impressed because I've always, I've like, I've been a Senna, Senna. Mm, nice. I've been a Senna fanboy for a while. Yeah, I, I have ever since you, you and Claire got the Senna's and I was sort of like iffy on the Senna's. And then the new generation, like the 10S came out, like mm. the really small, compact ones. And I was like, ooh, this is pretty fucking good. And they are, they still are. Yeah, that's the thing is they still are. Those, those 20S, I mean, I'm having you, or excuse me, the 10S's we have. Yeah. Still I, the fucking bomb. It's their, their stuff is really cool. Cardo has like a level of refinement mm-hmm. as far as just the communications yeah. part of it mm-hmm. that makes Senna look a little rough. Yeah. Senna always feels a lot more fidgety to me. Yeah. And like the voice command stuff that Cardo was showing. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, I wasn't on a bike at highway speeds, mm-hmm. but it seemed to be a lot more reliable mm. and a lot smoother. So the you big don't have to, the big thing is you don't have to ask for its attention. Right. It's already listening. Sure. That's cool. The Cardo that I got, see, that one actually felt fiddly me because it had a ton of fucking buttons on it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, in fairness, with the Senna, you've only got the wheel and like two buttons, and yeah. like you sort of like got to know combination, kind of got to know the combination and nonsense. So I, I don't think there's a good answer there. Honestly, is really what it is. Is basically if you're fiddle fucking around with your system while you're riding your motorcycle, mm-hmm. it's probably not a good thing either way. Yeah, and I don't think either of them have that figured out yet because I don't think there's a good answer. I mean, maybe the voice command is it. I'm hoping we can get some Cardos. That would be badass. Us and- yeah, because we would have a real basis for comparison. In fact, if if we had four Cardos. We could actually give that shit a real workout. Yeah, we'd give the pack talk a two, real try. Yeah, two wheel nerds and two daughters. We'd have quite the thing going down. But yeah, I'm definitely interested to try it because that <laughs> that part does seem like it works. You know what's going to happen if we do that? They're just going to talk and we're not going to get a fucking word in edgewise. We're going to hear a lot of this. <laughs> Yours too, huh? <laughs> what are you doing? I'm trying to touch the mic with my lips. Oh, Sophie Stop. likes to reach in there and just scratch it. Oh my god! <laughs> no, no, no. My my daughter's my daughter's all about like going for the mic and blowing on it. <laughs> like, honey, stop! Seriously, stop. <laughs> Although, do you do you? We just got to do the rest of the show like this, and that's what it's like. This is riding this, with this my is, daughter. This is it right here. This is it. This is the experience. Yeah. So yeah, the Cardos. Yeah, we'll uh, see if we can get yeah, some Cardos. Right, we'll right, talk right, about. Yeah. 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 Sounds good. And it was it was pretty cool. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed the, pro, the whole presentation that dude had. Oh, you serious? <laughs> what? What's wrong? No, nothing. You okay? You know you can turn off the intercom, right? I hate it. What? Yep. Ah, so much better. So moving on with Wheelners. Without Chuck now, I've muted Chuck. Chuck is in his soundproof booth in our high-tech Wheelners uh, studio, which is in no way my basement with moving blankets. Who is it? <laughs> Damn it, it's the scratcher again. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'd love to try them out because I've got the I've got one pack talk down here, mm-hmm. or it's a smart pack or some shit. Pack uh, talk, I think. All of their naming is weird. So, like the it's got the funny wheel and all the buttons, which I kind of like to be able to hit the music button. It's uh-huh. nice, uh-huh. but like not enough to make me want to buy it because the other part that really bothered me was the fucking clip. Senna has the uh, screw it in with an Allen wrench clips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they're they're very flush, like it's thin. Yeah, right? it's nice. Cardo should be thin because it's just a thin little like spring loaded like piece of metal. But in order to do that, it bulges at the bottom, and so you end up with like more metal touching your neck. Oh, I wonder if they've changed that. Uh, maybe they changed it. If it, so, if it was so a we screw, we can get on, some units. Find out. Yeah, we can totally find out because if it's a screw in thing, that'd be a whole different kettle of fish. Because that was that was pissing me right the fuck off. Okay, like over the top pissed off. I'm 
really looking forward to trying out the Cardos mm. after playing with it I, in the booth. I really, I really want to try the gang action because of all that. I mean, when we tried, we tried <laughs> you, to do, you want to try the gang action. You, you know what I'm talking about. I want to try the mesh <laughs> no, network. No, explain it to me. <laughs> the mesh network. Yeah. What kind of well, gang action of, are you looking for? Think of you know, four foursomes. That's yeah, what you're doing. Right, four people yeah. talk. Think four. of, think of how much trouble we had. <laughs> Pause for Chuck. <laughs> we'll just be here when you're done. My beer is empty. I'm gonna go fill it up. <laughs> My growler. But yeah, I, I want to try the mesh network because the Senna was was a fucking junk show to try to get more than two people talking. I yeah, I don't know. I, I always Total junk show. Hit, even with just two people, I'm kind of hit and miss. Really? Yeah, I couldn't get me and Melinda's headsets to ever pair. Huh. Weird. And yeah. I owned both of them. Yeah, I, I got both of mine to talk really easily, apart from the fact that uh, my daughter's helmet kept trying to answer my phone because my fucking work was calling. And I remember when I did the 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 one half day of writing I did first time up the Divide mm-hmm. guys, yeah. my three hours of writing with them, we couldn't get our sentence to work. No. To pair. Yeah. No, I think I think it relies too much on like daisy chaining a bunch of paired things together. And the moment you like get the wrong sequence, you're just fucked. And of course, there's no screen to tell you like, Hello, you fucked this up. Right. Thank you for coming in. <laughs> Try again later. Try again later, chump. You should be the center voice. Say a command. See, I could probably take that for say a command. Much longer. It gets testier. Say <laughs> a command. And then it switches to my voice. Mm-hmm. Motherfucker, you better tell me what to do right now. Mm-hmm. All right, that's fucking it. We're playing the best hits of Journey. <laughs> I'm not it could seeing, be worse. I'm not seeing the downside. Yeah. <laughs> default. You can set the default action. Default action. Play Journey's greatest hits. Nope. You're getting the best hits of Debbie Gibson. Fuck. 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 I don't know why I know that. Hi, Claire. <laughs> what? Long story. Long and sordid story. Involving Debbie Gibson? Yes. Okay. Another time. Moving on. Moving on. Meanwhile, back at AIM in Vegas. So this one, I'm going to apologize in advance. The audio starts out surprisingly good, and then some fucker in the background starts talking loudly. But Jen and I were wandering our asses around, and we came to the Haynes booth, where we met like this really nice, soft-spoken British lady who apparently is, you know, like both, well, give it a listen. You'll see. Yes, yeah, yeah. so we're back over at the Haynes and Climber so, Manual people, and they're finding me a, a manual man- for your GT, GT two hundred, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. and it's um, yeah, what's what year? Is uh, no six. Oh six. Well, yep. it's yeah, so it's covered in this one. Okay. And right. um, but we don't have this particular book. Unfortunately, here. I will get a picture of the number. Yeah. Boop. I'm impressed that she remembers that you had a need. Mm-hmm. She's good. Well, she's good. I, I said to my colleagues, you know, a guy came here and he asked for a GT two hundred manual. Well, so and, her, and her name is Cox, it. so she's already oh, going to be well, smart. Oh wow! So you know, you're already kind of related. Is that you? Oh wow! Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Penny, you, I, so first of all, I didn't realize Haynes and Climber were the same group. I always assumed there was like the enemy. Like, well, we have oh been, yeah, we have been for oh, years, of course, oh, because okay. we've been competitors. They're producing the same type of book uh-huh. right but uh, about 10 years ago Haynes bought Climber 
Oh, okay. Okay. Now, of course, we're under the same umbrella, mm -hmm. but we we're keeping the two brands mm -hmm. very much alive because they both have, you know, loyal. Uh, customers. Sure. So what, what's the actual, is, is there a distinction between the two brands? I mean, is one more uh, certain, I mean, other than, you know, Haynes has swoopier covers, um, but is there any real, I mean, it, I guess, is there a big difference between shop manuals? I mean, what, what both, makes them They're better? both very different to shop, shop manuals mm -hmm. because they're, they're written with the uh, consumer in mind. Ah, okay. The shop manuals are very much a technician who's had some training, mm -hmm. um, who already has skills, mm -hmm. but just needs essential information. Gotcha. And the idea with the, the uh, Climber and Haynes manuals is that they would tell you everything. Oh. And it, it, if you feel that you already know a great deal, then all you're doing is just picking up essential pieces of information you need, mm -hmm. like data mm -hmm. and test sequences. But if you're very new to it, then you really need help with everything. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that we will give you that. So, the, you know, the, the manuals are comprehensive. I mean, here's um, the Polaris manual. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, for every procedure, they're taking you right through... You know, assuming oh, that you... It even shows you where to find it with the where, pictures. Where it That's where yeah. it's located. No, it's a good point. Um, we take, well, probably a couple of thousand pictures for mm -hmm. each project. Okay. We may not use them all, but the author has them, you know, whilst he's writing the book. And a lot of them are used for location. Mm -hmm. And then for the, say, you know, some of the engine procedures, they actually form part of a step-by-step -step procedure. And, uh, you know, captions, annotations, references in the text, see illustrations. Mm -hmm. so. The old favorite. And my favorite step, installation is the reverse of these steps. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Sort of, um, yes. I know yes. there's a brevity problem, but mm -hmm. <laughs> Yes, it kind of means backtrack. Yes. Do reverse. what you just did, but backwards. But yeah. there were 30 steps. <laughs> yes. So, so, so talking to you now, Penny, I understand why it always seems like the language in these is aggressively British. Um, it all makes a lot more sense. Now. <laughs> um. oh, well, not always. See, Climber has always been uh, a U.S. product. Oh, okay. And has been written by U.S. authors. Oh, okay. Ron is. I guess I must have had a lot of Haynes men. But the yeah, uh, yeah but the Haynes is U.K. Always based. U.K. That some of them have been written by Americans, mm -hmm. but of course. Slightly different terminology at sure. times, mm -hmm. you know, sort of paraffin or kerosene mm -hmm. or something, uh -huh. yep. um, anti-clockwise, counterclockwise, mm -hmm. but I think we kind of know what we mean. Right. We yeah. can work it out. Or Google can tell us. Or Google. <laughs> Good old Google. What so that, that actually brings up an interesting point. So, so in the age of Google, I mean, I can go watch somebody on YouTube go tear my bike down to its component elements. Yes. You know, that GT200, I can find somebody tearing you, you that down could, to bolts. Sure. Yeah. So, so what does the manual give me as an advantage? I mean, apart from a place to put oily fingerprints and notes, mm. um, what, why is the manual still the way to go? The manual is still, I mean, for one thing, the source is acknowledged, so you know it's a 
a reputable source. Ah, so yeah. acknowledge specifically meaning the people who write these are like actual mechanics or yes. they're experts so or specific authors? Because the product's been around a long time, mm. you know when you buy one, you know what to expect. You think, well, okay, I bought that climber manual before. Mm -hmm. I know what's behind in the book. I know it's going to be procedures and photographs. It's nothing new. It's just a different subject. Mm -hmm. But with information which is on the internet, it's it's coming from various sources. And I think that's the thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, anyone can um, film a procedure and put it on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And seem authoritative. Can you trust it? <laughs> and also... I mean, I've seen some YouTube clips, and it's maybe the person's got a little GoPro on their head or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it makes and you dizzy. <laughs> I know, and you're watching it, and they're taking off the exhaust system, and they're moving around like that, and you're like, oh, no, stand still, please. <laughs> and then it's out of in-focus, it's out of focus. So um, I think video shot professionally works very well. Mm -hmm. And there is nothing like watching somebody do something. Mm -hmm. Seeing how the little fifty yes. bits come apart and which one exactly. falls out first, yeah. Yeah, that kind of thing. And you can judge for yourself the complexity of something if you can see it. Mm -hmm. So I think there is a place for video and also written procedure. Mm -hmm. I think if, you, if you've got a procedure, you can read it beforehand and get an idea of you know, whether you can take on that job. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and there's nothing quite like a still picture. It might be an exploded view of the components mm -hmm. or a procedure. So I'm sure there is a place for all of it. Mm -hmm. And the more information, the better. It works better as a pair, I guess. Yeah. We are starting to incorporate video. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I noticed you guys are doing a, an online type of deal yeah. now with the books. Yeah, that which the, is laptop there has um, one of the manuals which converted to online. Mm -hmm. For the car manuals, we're starting to put in video clips, mm -hmm. but for motorcycles, we're not quite there yet. Okay. But that will come. And it will be common procedures. It might be um, the engine and uh, you know, engine oil and filter change. Sure. Mm -hmm. Things you'll have to do a lot. Yeah, maybe uh, adjusting a cable. So something which is a common procedure mm -hmm. um, to have a video clip for uh, taking the cylinder head off <laughs> might be unrealistic because mm -hmm. it's a long, you know, it takes a long time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, um, it's a long time. It's yeah, fiddly. There's a whole yeah. bunch of not very exciting. Exactly, and I think some when a video is edited, you can remove a lot of that, mm -hmm. um, and just you could speed it up a bit or something. So that's some um, processes you can apply to make it more useful. Uh, in the future, yes, we'll have more video and more books online. I mean, for us, we have to try and adapt to what people want. So, so Penny, do you wrench on anything yourself? Well, uh, I have got I've got three motorcycles. Mm -hmm. How many of them run? One, <laughs> one, and I, I I'm not surprised you asked because us motorcyclists we're all the same. We've all got projects. Uh huh. 
but the little bike I ride is only a 125. It's a Suzuki Van Van, mm-hmm. which is like a sand bike. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, like the old RV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a fun new one. Yeah. Love that one. So, um, I mean, I had an accident in 2011. I was riding a Suzuki Bandit and uh, a car driver knocked me on the roundabout. So, yeah. it's taken me a while to get my confidence back. Yeah, of course. Happily, the Bandit manual guys have it, you guys have is quite good. I have that one. Yeah, great. I mean, we sold it all But then Suzuki sold it all Bandit. Yeah, I think so. Um, so anyway, I thought the you know the van van would be ideal to you know, get back into it. But then you have a couple of projects. Yeah, I heard. I heard there's a third one that's the project. So here comes the exotic. Well, they're not. They're not really exotic. Um, but a bike I bought in. 1981 you know, I, at that age, I think I had a car, I had a van actually, but motorcycling was my thing. And um, and then, you know, life goes on and other things happen and you stop riding for a while. And Anyway, it just got pushed to one side and I thought I'll never sell it because I enjoyed it so much. So it's remained a project. It's in quite a sad, sorry state. <laughs> Someone right now is waiting like Penny from Canes has a 404 muscle car. <laughs> barn find, guys. Oh, it is, a, it would be a, well, it's I mean, not sure quite a barn find, but it's approaching it. <laughs> it's nearing that stage. Yeah. <laughs> but it's always been undercover, it's never been open to the elements. So she's already fine. driving the price up. <laughs> yeah. she's, you've done this before, I can tell. When I bought yeah, it, it costs 400 UK pounds. Um, now, you know, pick up the, they're the going for maybe uh, about three to four thousand. You know, mm-hmm. What in good running condition? So oh, yeah. Probably because everybody I has know. the same memory you two do. Oh, this no. was the bike. Oh, oh you know, I love it. Nice. It was wonderful. Yeah. Yes. Well, I, and I lived in, in Canada. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's no people. There was no roads either, but. It was very rural and poor, but. Um, but you enjoyed riding. Loved it. Loved that bike. Yeah. It was. It was either that or the big three-quarter ton pickup truck. Those were my two options. Nice. So what do you have now? Do you I, I, I. Yes, I ride a, a Triumph. Yeah. So I have. Which I have two. I have an America. Yeah. And then I have the Thunderbird Strong. But I, but I just sat on a bobber. Oh, yeah. And and I, you know, I'm having feelings. <laughs> Okay. Bike buying feeling. I just love the Triumph line, everything in it. I love the, and I think it's because I had such a crush on Steve McQueen when I was young. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's never left me. I do think it's telling that Penny, who is in fact from the UK, does not include a Triumph anywhere in her garage at the moment. But I don't, because the the other one is a British bike, but it's um, it's, uh, called a James, which is a British brand. I never even heard of it. A James? Yeah, from, and the thing about it, it's only a 
tiny bike, but it belonged to my grandfather, and it was made in 1951. Wow. I'm sensing a trend to your garage. Yeah. <laughs> it feels good. She walks yeah. in the garage and it feels good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, it's, it's only small, it's a 98cc, so it's two-stroke. Um, it, it, in its day, it would have been a very cheap little runaround. Sure. And he used it to go to work. But anyway, he last used it in 1966. Oh, wow. And when he passed away, nothing really happened, you know, and then it came into my hands. So, um, you know, I, I, I started working on it already. Oh, and it's it's nice. Uh, yeah. cool. But coming back to the Triumph, then have you seen the bobber with high handlebars? It's like a chopper style. The Triumph has? Yeah. Yeah, they do that same bobber with the high bars. Oh, I haven't seen that. Uh, hang on, if you've got a moment, I'll show you. Uh, of course. Last week I was in Germany at the Intermod show, which is their big event. Mm -hmm. they, they call it Intermod. And Triumph had a big stand there, and they had this um, chopper style okay. uh, uh, bobber, um, but the problem and right now is I thought that it is great. Right. I, mean, I haven't seen it. Just the back end uh, ability to, to have it billed per month on the website, I guess. Is Remember, ladies and gentlemen, half of the fun of AIM show is bonding with other motorcycles. No one at the AIM show will be annoyed by you talking about motorcycles, unlike at home. Motorcycle, motorcycle, that's nice, dear. Everyone here is, you've got to be into bikes. Oh, yeah. So, if you have a barn full of nostalgia in motorcycle format uh, you should talk to Penny and the good folks at Haynes and Climber Manuals yes do because yeah. you'll need them <laughs> you'll need them and we have lots of books on retro machines cool Thank going you, back to the 60s and 70s and there's lots of interest in fact I can say certainly in the UK many of our manuals from that time um, you see over time you will see their sales level go down because obviously there are fewer on the road mm -hmm. But now, with those older bikes, you know, we're seeing the sales go up for those manuals. Hmm. Things like, um, typically, Suzuki GT750, big two-stroke from the 70s, mm -hmm. GT380, Kawasaki triples. We're starting to reprint them again. So, it, it shows people are finding those bikes, whether they're barn finds or, or some other source. but. That there is renewed interest. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, it's nice to see actually. That's people starting to cherish them, you know, and in the same way that perhaps 10, 20 years ago people were buying Triumphs and BSAs from right. the 1950s and mm -hmm. 60s. So, so that's a lot of that restoration has been done, and those bikes are changing hands for a lot of money now at auction. And now it's the turn of the early Japanese machines hmm. to uh, to become modern classics. So wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you are you saying that demand for Haynes and Climber manuals is a good way to get a feel for what's popular now in the industry? Are you guys actually maybe, the bellwether? Uh, maybe you. It, it's an indication. You never. <laughs> but in our experience, we're seeing that trend, and it must be reflected in parts sales and other areas. The industry. Very cool. cool. Yeah. Awesome. Thank so you what, so what much. do you think of the 
That is really, like it. I, I do. That's really yeah. interesting. I... So she's not only uh, an employee of the Haynes Club for <laughs> motorcyclists with shitty bikes around. She's also a member. <laughs> yeah, she was awesome. Like, because I showed up and I was just like looking at the Vespa thing. I was like, oh, it doesn't have my Vespa in it. She's like, oh, let me find you your Vespa. She starts looking through this big catalog and she's Aww. all excited. She she wants to know about the junkie bikes you have. And like, she's clearly into it. She's into the job. That was, God, I love that part of the show. That was cool. Because there's nobody there who did not just want to talk about motorcycles. That's true. Even the strippers. Okay. <laughs> I found them. <laughs> the motorcycle strippers. Hey, what do you think of the new ninja? He's spinning on a pole. I don't know. I'm not sure what they're trying to do with that. Last up, I was talking to the dude that's running Twisted Road. Far and away the one that I find the strangest, but everybody else seems really excited about. Yeah, the Airbnb of motorcycles. Cool. So we're here with Austin from TwistedRoad.com. Yeah, yeah TwistedRoad.com. And you're essentially Airbnb for bikes. Right, right. So Bike B&B or right. Airbike. Our, our company basically is a re- motorcycle rental community. And the way we are different from other rental options is that all of our bikes are owned by other individuals. Right. So when they're not using their bike, they can put it up on the site, and then if someone is in town and needs a bike, they can rent it, and the owner gets paid. It's very simple. Right. I mean, okay, so the first thing I think of is insurance. Yeah. So let's talk about that. I got Billy somebody riding my bike. Right. <laughs> all right, well, I'm going to back up a little. Okay. When, when, you, when somebody rents decides to rent your bike, the first thing they do is they have to enter in the driver's license information. Uh, we then check it with the DMV and make sure it's legit. Make okay. sure that they've got a motorcycle rating on their license and that it's the license is not suspended. And you can check all 50 states? We do it all, all, right. all 50 states. And it's immediate. Cool. It's all electric. Uh, once that's done, we have to ask for a copy of the rider's uh, motorcycle insurance card. If you don't have a motorcycle insurance card, we're not we're not renting to you. Okay. Um, the third thing we do is we ask for your, uh, we like to call it the rider's resume. It's just an option for people to talk a little bit about their experience riding. Right. And then finally, we ask for your specific experience. And you can say, well, I rode this bike for this many years and this bike for this many years. And you put it all in there. Then you rent. You've done all that, you rent. So you, you would set up your member profile ahead of time? Well, if you don't, then when you try to rent, it actually you, bring, go you have to go through those steps. Wow, It'll okay. say you need these things. Right, okay. And once that's all done and you, you rent, then the owner gets a copy of the request. And it'll say, you know, Billy wants to rent your Sportster from this date to this date, and here's his experience, and here's his overview of who he is. And you get an email on that. Okay. And if you are comfortable with that ride, level of riding experience and who this person is, you accept. If not, you decline it. It's very simple. All yep. the power is in the owner's hands. Okay. And so then right before the ride starts, before that person can take the keys, we do a credit card hold. They authorize a $1,000 credit card hold. Okay. So think about it this way. The person's about to take your bike out. They've given us your, their driver's license card. They've given us their insurance card and a $1,000 credit card hold. And you've already checked to see it's legit. We've checked to see it's legit. So okay. if something happens and it's minor damage, we'll take it right from the 1000 And if it's major damage, we go back to their insurance company and we file a claim against the damage. Okay. On their insurance. On their insurance. Okay. It doesn't hit the owner's insurance. Okay. 
So how long has the company been around? We're almost a year old. We'll be a year in like a week. And how many rentals would you say around about you might have done? Let's put it this way. We're, we're extremely busy. I don't give the exact numbers, okay. but... You know, well, uh, during the summer, we'll have 15, 20 bikes out on a weekend. Okay. Uh, all all right. over the country. We have 800 motorcycles on the site. Have you had to deal with a worst case scenario? Yeah. I mean, we, we have, we've had some claims, and our claims are about the same percentage as the national average of damage to motorcycles on the highway, you know, okay. or on the roads. Um, so we've dealt with it. And I'll tell you, the first time it happened, I was really panicked because it happened two weeks after I started the company. <laughs> that quick. That quick. Oh, shit. You grow up fast, brother. Oh, you grow man. up fast. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, this is the business. You know what's going to happen. Yeah. And it happened. And it was a learning experience. I went through the whole process. Everything was fine. Uh-huh. The owner got compensated for the damage. It went another month or so without any issues, six weeks, and it happened again, but it was much more minor. And now what happens is, you know, it doesn't matter what we get a call for. We know how to handle it. We know what the resolution is going to be. We can put the owner at ease. Like, just hang in there. We're going to take care of everything. Okay. And we can say it with confidence. Now, being as your, your company is mainly fronted by the app, yeah, connecting to the owners, yes. how big do you guys need to be as, as Twisted Road itself? Well, we, we actually have to hire people for a lot of reasons. Okay. Uh, first, for digital marketing, we're investing uh-huh. in digital marketing. Second thing we're investing in is, um, is a community manager, somebody who really you know, is, is, is working with the owner and the rider through every step of the way. Okay. You know, you've rented, kind of, like you get a text after you take the bike out. Hey, how's the bike? And after the owner's, after you take the bike out, the owner gets a text. Hey, how was the exchange? Any questions? Right. Then if you have any questions along the way, you're going to go back to this person. Okay. Um, So we have, we have, you know, although you would think that it's very easy, um, there's a lot of complexity to the business. And unlike a hotel room where you check in and then you're pretty low maintenance until you leave, like you're out riding someone else's motorcycle. Yeah. There's well, questions and things happen. It's more like someone else is out riding my motorcycle. Right. <laughs> I, I, right. I need to be soothed. <laughs> yeah, you need to be soothed. That's right. But you know what? What happens, I'll give you a couple of things that happen. The first is a guy doesn't have his bike on the site, but he's traveling and he says, man, I really need a bike when I go to... Uh, when I go to this uh, uh, event in Florida. Sure. And so I'm going there for business and I would love to have a bike to tool around on for a couple days. They rent a bike, by the time they get back to wherever they live, they've put their bike on. Really? It's really common. The other thing someone will say is, all right, you can have my uh, Sportster, but you're not getting my fat boy. They list one bike. And then they get a rental on their Sportster and it goes well, and then the fat boy goes up. How much can someone make on their bike? Uh, right. That all varies. There are some people that, that their bikes are, for whatever reason, aren't, um, there's no demand for them. And okay. that could be the location or the style. It's a combination of both. But there's some people who make a lot of money. I mean, we have a bunch of people who have made over $1,000 in their bikes in the last four months. Wow. What's, yeah. what's a popular bike? Uh, it depends. I mean, Ducati Scramblers are really uh, popular for a day or two. Uh-huh. You know, they're short term. People come in and out. Um, like the Urban Enduro is a good one. Um, how about Urals? We have a few of them on the site. They tend to be they, they tend to not get a lot of activity, okay. but they get activity from other Ural riders yeah, who are in sure. town and want to yeah. ride one. Um, 
You know, some of the medium-sized uh, Harleys do well for longer trips, like a Heritage Softail does get rented out. But when they get rented out, they get rented out for like a week at a time. So does the owner set the price? Or owner that... sets the price. Okay. Owner sets the price. They can f- change it whenever they want. What do you guys get? We get 30% of the price. Okay. And the owner gets 70 Okay. Okay. Um, do you guys get involved on the gear side at all? Do you tell them you have to wear it? Home? Well, here's how the gear works is... We tell the rider two things. Number one, you have to comply with whatever the state or local law is on helmets. The rider has to. It's not anyone else's responsibility but the rider. Okay. The second is the owner is allowed to provide gear if they want to the riders, but if he doesn't, the rider still has to it's still comply. So, riders show. so we have some listings when you go on the site, some people will say, hey, I've got a medium and a large helmet. And hey, I've got, you know, gloves and a jacket. They're very community. They're very uh, into the community. And some people don't offer any gear. And that's right. okay, too. Because I, I keep thinking of liabilities and stuff. It just it seems like it, it could get real ugly. Here's what it comes down to. At the end of the day, you're riding a motorcycle, which is inherently uh, has a little bit more risk, risk than... Sure than driving a car. Yeah. And as riders, we all accept that level of risk because we wouldn't ride. What do you uh, ride? I ride a Moto Guzzi, a V7 Classic. Oh, Todd is would be so sad he missed that. He had to go back to the room a little early. But, oh, uh, yeah, he's, he's in love with the Guzzi. Oh, right they're now. great. They're great. Yeah. You know, there's a few bikes I really want to really want to get. Is your Guzzi for rent? Oh, uh, it is. All right. Yeah, uh, yeah it's on there, 100 a day. <laughs> I had, to, day. Yeah. Okay. I had to take it down for uh, the next week. It's in the shop. There's an issue with the kickstand. Okay. But uh, but it's on there. And it's funny because there's a bunch of bikes that I want. And I'm like, you know, I just there's no reason for me to buy them because they're on my site. I'll just rent them. Right, right. You know, like I want to get on that R9T, the BMW. Uh, yeah, I'm dying to get on that. We have a few of them. So when I'm traveling, I'll take one. Okay. Right now, I'm on a Triumph Tiger. Uh, I flew, instead of flying to Vegas for this event, I flew to Denver. And then I rented a Triumph Tiger and I rode here. Oh, okay. Did you go through Salt Lake? Or uh, no, I went, I went straight down 70 and then d- to, to the 15, Okay. which is pretty straightforward. Yeah. But then on the way back, I'm going back. Um, I'm going north of this, the Valley of Fire and then I'm spinning off. I'm hitting Zion and Bryce and then I'm going down to Monument Valley. Okay. I'm coming around through Four Corners, up the Million Dollar Highway right. to Breckenridge That's and then cool. to Denver. That'll be fun. Yeah, that'll be a week. And that'll be ride. on a rented bike. On a rented bike, an 800, Triumph 800. Do you get a discount because you're the owner? Of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> but there's no special deal for the owner, man. The owner, the owner gets the full pay of their 70%. Well, I mean, you're the owner of the company. Right? I'm the owner of the company. So, you, so it comes out of whether you want to look at it, it comes out of my my personal it comes money out of your or the or the or the uh, company's money. It's all the same pile of cash these days. Okay. So what brought the idea to you? Is it, I was, was it literally just Airbnb? Or? No, no, like literally, like I, I've had a, I've only been riding for three years. Three okay, years. Okay. Three years. And, uh, and someone's week. willing to rent you their bike. Here's what it was, <laughs> Dude, brother. Look. Here's the thing, like I get, I literally, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm got a wife and kids. We're out in uh, the Grand Canyon and Zion yeah. and Bryce, and I said, man, to my wife, man, I wish I had my bike. So then I look for like an hour trying to find a rental near Wait, that area. Yeah, There's yeah. nothing. Like, yeah. It ha- uh, three months later, it happens again in uh, Italy. I was there with my wife, and then in the holiday season, it happened with and my mother-in-law's in North Carolina, and I said to myself, I said to my wife, I said. I'm just going to go on Craigslist. I'm going to buy some little beater bike. I'll stick it in her garage. When I'm out in North Carolina, I can ride the Blue Ridge Parkway. I'll just, you know, I'll sure, be cheap. because it would be worth it. It'd be worth it. 
and I look on there, and, and just in Greensboro, there's 952 bikes that are for sale by owner right. in Greensboro. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, these are bikes not only that are sitting in garages, but they want to get rid of them. I'm like, there's another probably thousand sitting in garages not being ridden. Yeah. And so I just have to solve both problems. And then I, that was in December, and in January I was off to the races. Oh, wow, okay. Did you write the app, or did you get someone to write it? We have a third-party company that did all the that development all the for development. us. Okay. I'm in IT, so that kind of, I, it's relevant to my interests. Yeah, where it comes yeah from. it's a third-party. Okay. Did they speak English? Uh, are you they sh- do. <laughs> are you sure? I am sure. Was it someone who was like, hello, my no, name is Steve. They're really good. from Oklahoma. <laughs> they, they have been a really good partner okay, for us. Okay. They've been good and nimble and flexible. Ang- angry, angry emails from Indian listeners. Speaking of India. Yeah. So is this national? Is it worldwide? Okay, so right now we're all over the country. Okay. But we will expand. We have plans to go. The country being the United US. States. Right. The have- only country in the world that counts. <laughs> Canada. Right. Well, it's funny because we say book a bike, ride the world, yeah. which is a little bit uh, uh, not 100% true unless your world is the United States, and for all of us it is. Yeah. And the, but the reality is that we've got people coming in from Canada, from Iceland, and rent with us. So for them, they're riding the world when they come the other way. So how is that? What kind of wrench does that throw into the works if someone's coming in from another because country? We've got, because we, have, um, we do a slightly higher deposit for those uh, uh, renters, uh-huh. and then we just know all of the different motorcycle endorsements around the world. We got a copy of their of their. Uh, okay. of their but you can't devices. go run it back around. No, we can't do that. You just, with them. You're like, hey, this is your card. Right. And look, if they're flying in from the other from another country, they're, they're here. They're probably legit. They're, they're <laughs> probably legit. We had a guy who came from Iceland yeah. who rented a BMW 1200 adventure bike from Washington D.C. and he took it for five weeks. And he went across the country to the Bay Area, to San Francisco. And the owner said, hey, man, instead of having it hauled back, because the owner, the rider would pay the hauling fee, right? Yeah. He's, the owner said, hey, don't even bother. I'm going to fly out and meet him. I'm going to ride home. This is an excuse for me to right. go ride. This whole trip was just paid for. Like, I, I have mean, to go to He Alaska. just got 2500 uh, bucks from that. Right. Oh, so he paid his plane ticket and a few hotel days. Yeah. Wow, and he got a great experience out of it. That is super cool. It was really cool. Someone rides your bike out somewhere, you can just bring it back. And, and we got, like, if you only want to do it one way, we'll arrange it. We're not trying to make money off the backhaul. You know, we'll arrange it. The the rider pays that. And but um, so that's between Twisted Road and the rider. What we'll do is we'll arrange it, uh-huh. and then we'll just pass the invoice on and make them, and they can pay it. Okay. The owner doesn't have to worry about. No, we don't need the owner involved. We do our best. We do our best to be really fair to both the owner and the rider. So if you think about how you would want to run a business, you know, like let's take let's take insurance. Like if there's damage to the bike, a guy has it out. It goes in. He gets a cup of coffee. Comes out of the coffee shop. It's on its side. Okay. Clearly, that's the rider's fault, right? Yeah. He's responsible for it. And by the way, when they check the bike out, they take pictures. Uh, through the app of any existing damage, it all gets okay. uploaded to the platform, both okay. owner and rider. Okay. okay. So it's like third party, you know, you can say, well, clearly that wasn't there. It wasn't there. Yeah. Right. Okay. Flip side is the the rider is out riding and the speedometer just stops. It's on the highway, it just goes, good needle drops to zero. Well, you can't say it's the rider's fault because if the owner was on that same bike and he's riding, it would have done the same thing. Sure. So the owner's responsible for that. So we do our best to really try to be fair and assess who was at, who's at fault for whatever happened. Okay, so let me throw a hypothetical. You give it to me. 
So the guy is riding, I'm just gonna pull a bike out of the air, a turbocharged Triumph Sprint. Yeah. And he's doing a road trip and he's yeah. about two hours into it. Yeah. And the exhaust ignites the bike onto fire. Whose fault is it? Okay, I'm gonna give you a an, 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 an couple of answers. And this is clearly hypothetical. Yeah. It hasn't happened in the past five weeks right. to anyone standing in this booth. This is, we're a year old. It's it's never oh that happened to you no okay. I was not on fire on the way to Vegas well okay so where would you heard that no what no shut up we, what we, shut up what so uh, so without knowing too much about the situation we'd want a mechanic to take a look at it and try to assess what happened the and, exhaust melted through the side case and set all the clothes on fire right but what was the cause was the cause that when it was put when that exhaust was put on it was not wired correctly right if that's the case it's the owner it's like the owner. Well, there's nothing that the rider did wrong he was right. just riding and caught on fire wait could you say that last part again there is, there's not there, there's there's nothing that the rider did the nothing wrong. that the rider did wrong right okay that's that's all I needed. Thank you so much. Of course, that's of course. Nothing that the rider did wrong. Right. It's all the machine's fault. It depends. Yes. Did the rider install yes. it? Yes. No. Okay. No. The rider did not install it. He all just right. bought it like that. All right. Things. Stuff happens. Stuff happens. Right. They're bikes. They're finicky. They, they catch on fire. Right. But cool. All right. Well, thank you, man. This has been a really... Sure. Really kind of eye-opening, man. It's... I want to sign up now. Yeah, go all over, check it out. We've got referral programs, so if you tell your friends, you can get 25 bucks off. Um, take one of your fancy postcards. Yeah, take them. Right. It's easy. Thanks a lot. Pleasure. Man. Thanks. Nice so, to meet you, Chuck. People can just look in their app store for Twisted Road. It's not an app. It's a website. We're going to come oh, out with the app in the next it's few only months. Web. Okay, it's yeah, all web-based. It's, it's all right web-based right now. Okay, twistedroad.com. Twistedroad.com. All right, so everyone go check it out, twistedroad.com. I guess if they use this code, they can get... Yep. So the code would be K-E-A-5-E. And I'm not going to spell it out in military alphabet because I'm going to make it harder for That's you. That's okay. Hey, what we're going to do is we're going to get you signed up. And yeah, once, sure, you, so once you sign up, we're going to make the code for you. It'll be Chuck. Oh, and I can pass and it on to And you can pass listeners. it on to your listeners, All that right. code Chuck. And then when they, when they register with that code, if they rent a bike or they list a bike, you'll both get 25 bucks the first time so they do So do you get that. 25 bucks just for listing? You get 25 for listing and that goes towards your rental. Oh, okay, okay. Wait. If you put a bike on there right now, Chuck, then you I get, get $25, $25 to, rent. To, to rent. Okay, okay, now I'm with you. Yeah. I'm there, not on, not on fire. Cool. All right, thanks a lot, man. You got it, thank you. So, yeah, I mean, I'm almost, I'm kind of thinking I'd throw the GS up there. Yeah. I'm not the Busa or the Ural yeah. to start, but I guess maybe I if I'd I had, be okay with that. Maybe if I had a third bike, I might, there might be some small part of me that would put the Vespa up. Third bike. <laughs> if I had a third bike that ran, it was not a pile of bike. <laughs> it is, it is technically a Strom by mass. How about the Vespa? That was what I was thinking, actually. Yeah, if I had a third a... bike, I could maybe rent the Vespa out because yeah. I could make back the Vespa, what the Vespa cost me pretty rapidly. Yeah, I could make back what the GS cost me pretty yeah, pretty yeah. good, I think. Yeah, I just, I'm at the same time. The, the only problem with the Vespa is you get the people who are like, oh, it's just a scooter. I can ride it. No, you fucking can't. Because oh, the no. Vespa will get up to 50 rather briskly. Uh-huh. Oh, no, I forget. The, whoever rents a bike from you has to deal with Todd. Yes, sign here, initial here. <laughs> Let me see you go in a circle.
Okay, get the fuck off. Th- these, get out of here. These aren't the forms from Twisted Road. No, these are the other forms. <laughs> Why are they 12 pages long? The other forms. Is this a triplicate? Other, other forms. Why do you need a blood sample? You'll see. <laughs> oh, God. You're the last person in the world I would want to rent a motorcycle Don't from. worry. There's absolutely no chance I'm judging you as you ride away on my motorcycle. <laughs> it's not that part I'm worried about. Really? I'm worried about you judging me as I get on the motorcycle and then telling me about it. <laughs> if I'm riding away, at least I don't see you or You're hear doing you. it wrong. <laughs> Give me your phone number. <laughs> Incoming call. Could you? I just pulled a Senna off the helmet and chuck it down the street. <laughs> You're doing it wrong. Yeah, I, I, it's kind of one of those things. Of like, if I had a, if I had a third bike that was attractive to ride, and you know, I could eat the danger of mm-hmm. like the Vespa. Eh, maybe. Mm-hmm. Although my wife keeps looking at the Vespa, she's like, "Hmm, that's interesting." I'm like, "You stay away." <laughs> <laughs> you, what are you doing? Stop looking at it like that. When are you gonna put a sidecar on it? I'm not gonna. No, no, uh, no. It'd be. It would look. Now, granted, it would look fucking badass. It would look with cool. a color matched like like torpedo sidecar. Yeah. Um. It'd be classy. It would. Unfortunately, any sidecar that would actually fit on it would like be teeny tiny. Yeah. And it just would not go fast enough to make it worth it. Okay. Just get what I keep thinking. Now, believe me, I've I've thought has crossed my mind. It would look <laughs> bitching. Yeah, because you want to put a sidecar on everything that crosses your path. Not necessarily. What? I don't want to put a sidecar on the Strom. How will I have a Strom then? Well, if you had two Stroms. Intriguing. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. You have talked about putting a sidecar on the Strom. I have talked about putting you a sidecar on the You have thought about it. Although I have to say, now that I've had one on the Bandit, I'm kind of like, the trouble with putting a sidecar on the Bandit now is I know that like half of the stuff I could put a sidecar, putting a sidecar on a GS yeah. or any of the, like, the, the, the R engines, I'd be like, well, the torque is nice. <laughs> but i just can't smoke the rear tire up so yeah but you you're so comfy on the strom strom is your home it is true the strom is your it safe is, space it is comfy yeah it is it is home yeah yeah i don't know i i i, I actually i'm funny i really like the bandit for the sidecar honestly okay it just you know like i've 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 have a call into claude to find out about the lbs boxer okay which looks like a nicer more modern double wide kind of like texas sidecar almost like okay. the same yeah. style yeah. but like wider it's a double wide seat so i can yeah. put both kids in it yeah. with a proper trunk yep and i was figuring cool. just mount it to the bandit because the funny thing is, is you go onto their site and so the one that claude has mounted he mounted on a rocket and it looks fucking bad ass on the rocket claude does amazing work looks so good on the rocket yeah and <laughs> it would break the back tire loose oh yes if when is your bandit sidecar not giving you enough power? Do you feel like your dick is not sufficiently expanded by the size of your sidecar engine? Do you want to be British? Do you want to feel British? <laughs> if so, <laughs> pip pip cheerio, have we got a deal for you? Yeah, yeah. When the when the bandit does it, hmm, bandit doesn't feel like it has enough acceleration. Oh look, <laughs> a rocket. <laughs> oh look. Oh goodness me. Oh excuse me. Oh what ho? What what's all this dead? Yeah, so they, but you go on to LBS's site. I'm like, this is big and it needs a powerful bike. What are the two bikes they have pictures of it mounted to? A, a rocket and a bandit. <laughs> <laughs> They're not, and you know, it's a bandit with like a, a leading link front end with a, with a car tire on it. It looks fucking cool. Oh my god, it looks so cool. Oh it's my mind god. blue. 
Oh my god! Really cool. <sighs> you you get so attached to strains of bikes. I do. It's interesting. I just I, just, I rode a bunch and I want to ride them all, but when the one speaks to me, mm-hmm. I get attached to it because it speaks to me. It's, it seems they're they're both Suzuki. Yeah, there is, it is a weird <laughs> Suzuki thing. I mean, so so far, like the versus uh, the Suzukis and the Indian are the only ones where I'm like, ooh, yeah, this is being owned the rock. Indian, oh, Indian would be kind of bitching for a sidecar too. Yeah. I'm Ted has opinions about the Indian. Yes, he does. Ted, Ted, <laughs> Ted doesn't care. Ted thinks things about he's the a, Indian. Well, he's a Harley guy and he feels threatened. <laughs> you know, rears up and mm-hmm. deploys. Yes, he he lets his he lets his Harley. Uh, the, do they call them fairings or do they call them like frills the on fringe. the Harley? They let the, the leather fringe. The leather fringe, and he <laughs> <laughs> and he shoots. Him. Shoots blood out of his eyes. <laughs> scare away the Indian riders. No, it's 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 motor oil. It's Harley oil. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! That's why the bike leaks oil. Blood. No, I have an oil story. Okay, what? so have you ever bought like Motul, like the so usually like when I go buy oil for the Strom or for the Bandit, yeah. and you got to remember the Bandit, the Bandit's like your your fraternity brother. Like it just fucking shotguns a quart of oil and crushes it on his forehead and throws it. <laughs> okay. like about once a month. Okay, so I don't put good oil in the Bandit. <laughs> Because he just deserve it. He's just gonna fucking chug it anyway. He doesn't care. He doesn't fucking give a shit. He just wants to get fucking <laughs> tore up. So you don't give the bandit good oil. <laughs> Strom just wrote it too. Yeah, his Jenny cream ale for him. Um, so, but the Vespa has it, refined taste. It has refined Italian tastes. <laughs> or more to the point, it has a stupid ass fucking oil five W forty, which is a bitch to find. Okay. Right. Exactly. You made the face. Like, right. Yeah. 1040, like it's fucking everywhere, right? Yeah. 5W40 is a bitch to find. Apparently they use it in like some dirt bikes and some other stuff. Okay. So I'm at the store and I'm like, I need some 5W40. And they're like, okay, what size you want? I'm like, fucking big tub because I'll use it eventually and it doesn't go bad. Yeah. And they're looking around. They're like, oh, um, <laughs> so we only have this one. Is that okay? And I'm like, whatever. It's a holy fuck. And of course, the one that I look at is the Motul like race oil. Like uh, uh. this is some fucking premium oil. Okay. Right, this is like Brickhouse Winery oil. Fuck! Oh my god. Okay, whatever. Was it a barrel? I spent more on that. Fu- no, it was a fucking liter. Okay, like two liters of this thing, and the Vespa takes exactly one liter, which is badass, by the way. Um, How much was it? Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head, but it was substantially more than the shit I usually buy. So I get, I buy my my premium oil from my fucking premium scooter, take it home, put it on the shelf, and I finally get around to doing it this week. So I discover, first of all, Vinny, in his infinite wisdom, has placed the pivot. Where the center stand and the drain plug and the filter like one millimeter away from each other <laughs> all in the line all like right together in a little tiny triangle so <laughs> so you can't put it on the fucking center stand the only stand in with, with which it is equipped and drain the oil because there's nowhere to put a pan okay this is a problem uh-huh i'm like okay no problem. So I do what any self-respecting Todd would do and attach a ratchet strap to the front railing of my house and hang the Vespa from it and, you know, and, and, you know, lock the front brake with a ski strap. So having done this, I undo these things. I drain the old oil and it's terrible because it's, you know, like probably the second set of oil it's ever had. And it's, you know, 10 year lifespan, uh-huh. dump that, close everything up and go to get the new oil. I go and get my super premium oil. I pull the top in it and the super premium oil has like a little snoot that comes out of it to pour in very fancy <laughs> so this isn't this isn't pour out of the can oil like you fucking did commoners you, use did you hear a little hiss oh yeah no yeah yeah 
you check it, you check the cork and make sure it's still good. <laughs> and you smell um, it. <laughs> you don't smell the cork. Nobody actually smells the cork. The reason you flip the cork over is to see if there's still pieces of I cork smell in your the oil. Did you swill it around? No, no, I didn't have a proper sifter for that. Oh, um, Jesus fucking Christ. So, so I go to start pouring and I see it go down. I'm like, it's fucking green. Oh my God. It's, it's green fucking oil. full of antifreeze. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck, fuck, what's about to happen? So I go and I look and I'm like, oh my God, there was fucking antifreeze in my oil. And apparently this is like the number one thing search for Motul oil. Why is it green? <laughs> because it's fucking green. Why is it antifreeze? <laughs> Holy shit, it's green. It actually is green. <laughs> so that was like tense. how green like it looks just like fucking antifreeze green but thick not really that thick because it's five weight so you're, you're pouring an antifreeze it really looks like you're pouring antifreeze into it okay it was unsettling to say the least wow so after sitting it and dumping it letting it do its thing for a while i get done i pour the i go to pour the oil old oil into the can and i pour it all in and i'm like yep and i look down green. and i'm looking in no not green I'm looking in the actual thing that I poured out. So this is the old oil. It's my little oil pan. Uh-huh. And I look down and what do I see in the oil pan? But a circle, tiny little circle. Oh no. I'm like, that circle looks to be of a particular size. <laughs> that circle looks like the oh, no. same size no. as Not, the drain no. plug. No. God. Fucking. No. Damn it. <laughs> no. No. So I've no. now got I've now got a drain plug in with super premium fucking oil and no O ring. No. Do I just kind of hope it stays? That doesn't seem like a good idea because <laughs> that's gonna pour on the back tire. Oh, really? So, really clean out your drain pan? <laughs> oh no! Like, how the fuck do I do this without dumping my liter of super premium oil <laughs> on the ground? <laughs> God damn it. Because once it's in that pan, and this pan has been used for stroms and oil girls, and there's like there's like there's, Go buy there's things in there. Pan. Go yeah. spend five so, bucks on another so, so I end up with okay, I'm like, all right, so I already I've already leaned this thing over the ratchet strap once. Okay. I can do this again. Uh-huh. Only I realize I'm like, wait a minute, I have a tent blanket. So I get a tent blanket, put the tent blanket over the Vespa seat. And I lean it against my little like retaining half half like ornamental wall of my house. Okay. So now it's tipped so that like the sump is tipped at about a 45 degree angle. And I'm like, if I go fast, I can take out the drain plug, which is in the side, by the way, not the bottom. Okay. I can take out the drain plug and I can put the O-ring on, I put the drain plug in really fast and I'll only lose like a little bit of oil. This is a good idea, right? No. Here's the funny thing. It fucking worked. Oh, Jesus. I lost like a tablespoon of oil. Oh my God. I pulled the, I pulled the dipstick. Perfect. <laughs> That's just too much it pressure. Was, I'm pretty sure I would have just bought a new drain pan and been like, yep, let's christen it. <laughs> this was, this was the tensest too, oil operation I have ever been involved too in. Too much tension. It was it, it, unreal. Stressful. Unreal. That's stressful. Damn it, Vinny. <laughs> Why would you do that to yourself? Because I didn't want to buy another liter of super premium oil. Oh, just buy a pan. <laughs> You'll use it. Yeah, but I already have one. Oh my god, that pan has memories and, and little bits of Ural engine. I'm not saying shoot it and strom engine. And <laughs> I'm not saying light it on fire. It's not like there's a law you can only have one pan. You don't need Viking funerals for them. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> Pan costs like six bucks. <laughs> yeah. I spent all my money on my super premium well, fucking oil. That's probably how much that tablespoon of oil costs. <laughs> that's true. 
<laughs> that pan was twice as valuable when that fucking oil touched it. Boy, that's far too much stress. <laughs> that moment when you trust the weight to the ratchet strap and you're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. <sighs> it's holding. Uh... In fairness, I can't take all the credit for the ratchet strap. That is also Bob Wark's technique for adjusting your lean out very precisely. Okay. Is a ratchet strap to the wall. Uh-huh. And then you just let a little bit of slack out <laughs> and measure the lean out a little, little more. Keep doing that. Uh-huh. Works well. That's probably less stressful. Use only proper genuine Vespa tools, kids. <laughs> a Always. rafter of your house. Gaucho blankets, <laughs> ski straps, fucking ratchet straps. Well, it's good to see that even though you have a fancy Vespa, you haven't I'm really changed. I'm still totting all over it. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing has changed. Not even plus, a little. Plus que change, plus que même chose. <laughs> What can I say? That poor Vespa is going to get so totted out. Ah, It's pretty tot already. (laughs) Uh, We have a long mail. Do we? Yes. Tell me about it, Chuck. It's from Martin in Glendale, Arizona. Mm. Martin writes, I happened to listen to Shopping for Todd just the day after I had sent a deposit check to the seller of this 2014 Norge. Mm. Picked it up in Simona County and wrote it home to Arizona this week. I had a 98 Biffer. Stolen from me a little over a month ago, my second fifth gen over the last eight years. Mm-hmm. I carry a passenger regularly, so I was sure I wanted an ST1300. Found a clean, low mileage ST1300 with factory top case at a good price. Sitting on the seat, I got a feeling of same thing, only duller. Mm. There's something about the Norge. One Euro dealer who responded to an inquiry of mine pronounced it Nore. Mm. That has appealed to me since they were first released. I got this 2014 for the same price I was seeing dealers sell 12s. Seller was a true gentleman, offered to let us park the camper van on his property if needed, and let me keep the license plate for the ride home. The ride home was beautiful, and the motor on the Norge, Nore, is brilliant. It's geared to go fast. 4,000 RPMs is 70 miles in top gear, and it likes to keep the revs up. You don't feel like the rocking at idle, like on a BMW, but when you open the throttle, it rocks the bike for just one stroke. I find myself lightly revving the engine at stoplights just for the effect. <laughs> and keeping my fingers crossed, it will be dependable and easy to maintain. My closest dealer is 100 miles away. Mm, better than I got. Enjoy the ride. And he sent a little picture. Ooh, shiny. Yeah. The brown one. You like that, buddy. I like you? the brown one in particular. Yeah. Well, you know me and brown. <laughs> brown jacket, brown boots, brown, brown pants, brown belt. Brown underwear. Yeah. Brown socks. Depends on what I'm riding. A brown undershirt. Hey, it works. <laughs> it works for me. Uh-huh. One of us is wearing a cable knit sweater, and one of us is not. I'm 46 years old. That's fair. And a father. Yeah. And I, I'm responsible. I'm still a hip, hip young guy in my 30s. So I you know, am a respectable. Mm-hmm. I drink expensive coffee mm-hmm. on my adventure. You wouldn't know expensive coffee; it hit you in the nose. I know it's expensive coffee because they ask for me to give them a lot of money when I buy my coffee. Ah, I see. And it's always from a hipster barista with more Mm -hmm. metal in her ears than I have. That is my standard test for baristas. Visible tattoos or shit stuck in their face. Yep. Don't buy coffee from anyone else. The baristas I buy them from have both. Mm. And fake boobs. Oh, okay then. Okay. So I'm a man of tastes. Maybe I should Norge then instead. Maybe. What if I, what if I got, Okay, and, and hear me out. What if I was to get one of those and a straw? That seems reasonable. That's four bikes? 
Your wife won't let you do four bikes. Your wife won't let you do four bikes. Your no. wife has opinions. No, probably not. <laughs> I've worked her into the idea of three if one of them is Vespa. Uh huh. And if yeah. she starts riding the Vespa, then maybe. That's that's kind of what I'm figuring is, you know, that then she's walked into my trap. Or then she'll want two Vespas. Well, well, darling, you've got an Italian bike. And, you know, we like Piaggio. So, logically, uh-huh. this is good, right? It's she's right. a scientist. She's logical. Right. Why it's... do you look so hopeful? That's not a look I'm accustomed to seeing on your face. I'm dreaming. So optimistic and hopeful like a young Todd on Christmas morning. So the thing about it is this, remember MSF rider coaches on the average have three bikes. Yes. That means half of them have more. Yeah. I don't want to be in the bad half, Chuck. Yeah. But the, the good half, they're not married to your wife. Fair point. I mean, neither is the bad half in fairness. So yeah, you're, you're sort of a, a special point case. Mm, mm. First job though, is to get the pile of strum out. So, you know, <laughs> come on down to crazy Todd's pile of strum. See, my wife would let me do it. Yeah. Yeah. As long as there was room in the garage. Mm-hmm. She's mm-hmm. like, that's only, her only objection is room at the end. Gotcha. I got plenty of room. Yeah. I don't know how to take that. Uh, take it in the worst way possible. Roger that. Come on down to crazy Chuck's. <laughs> what have you learned this week, Chuck? Crazy Chucks sounds a lot more foreboding than Crazy Todd's. It does, doesn't it? More ominous. <laughs> I've learned that clearly I don't have enough Piaggio products or enough Suzuki products. Seems reasonable. I have my brands. Yeah. That's all I got time for this week. Until next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Chuck. Ride safe, everyone. See you next time. You can contact us at wheelnerds at gmail.com or leave us a message at area code 801-917-4136. Record an intro for our show of you and your bike, and maybe it'll be on a future show. Stickers and other merchandise is available at our website, www.wheelnerds.com. If you use iTunes or Stitcher, please leave a review for us. Hell, write our URL on bathroom walls if it helps. If you like this podcast, you can find more like it at wheelnerds.com. This has been a Wheelnerds production, all rights reserved. Readings from other sources are the property of their respective owners and are used with satirical intent. I've got plastic parts. No, wait, that's not right. <laughs> Crazy Todd. Crazy Todd's Pilo Strong. Crazy Todd. Come on now to Crazy Todd. There we go. But That's crazy, the one. But, now it's Crazy Todd. But Crazy Todd, what about Greasy Bolts? Oh, boy. I got Greasy Bolts. I got so many Greasy Bolts. I don't even know what these Greasy Bolts are for. They might not even be for Stroms. They might not even be Bolts. They may not, in fact, even be Bolts. They're so greasy. They're just...